2: as everybody knows, the uh, host of Conspiranormal. And I just want to come on real quick before the show, uh, before we get started with the interviews um, in this uh, week's installment. Um, <clears throat> just a quick disclaimer, there is some language and adult themes in this interview that we did with uh, with Thad McCracken. Um, this is kind of your typical, I suppose, uh you know, the opinions of the guests don't reflect the opinions of the co-hosts and yada, yada, yada. Um, just be aware of that uh, when you're listening to the show, when you're, when you're downloading it. I'm going to put up a uh, disclaimer also in the description as well and mark it explicit, uh, which may not show up on the uh, Fringe Radio Network. But just be aware that if you're listening to this, uh, you may not want to listen to kids in the room. So, just a quick warning to everybody: uh, you may just, um, if you have children, just uh, maybe sit this one out uh, until you they're not in the room. And if you're offended by any of th- any of these things, then I'm going to give you a warning about it. We talk about some pretty, uh, you know, occulty type stuff. We talk about chaos magic, sex magic. So you can imagine kind of the uh, details that we're going to get into, and then just plus some of the language as well which we've had on the show before, but uh, this one's a little more, more loaded. I uh, just want to give everybody a heads up because I know Fringe has a lot of uh, Christian listeners as well, and uh, you may have found some themes in this that uh, you may object to. So, But uh, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, thanks. For, we'll uh, get ready and start the show. Back on Conspiridormal, and uh, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, just uh, had some good um, <clears throat> response on the David Jacobs show. want to thank him for coming on a couple of weeks ago. I've had like about, uh I believe like 1,200-something downloads on that show in the last couple of weeks, and uh, that's pretty awesome. That's uh, uh, pretty good. And Luke, uh, how you doing, man?
3: Uh, I'm all right, uh, huffing and talking <coughs> a little bit, going up and down your stairs. Right. I put on a little uh, winter hibernation (laughs) weight. I got got like a little winter, like 15 going on right now.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, But uh, you had an interesting experience not too long ago.
3: Definitely an interesting break, uh, Thanksgiving break, because I was out uh, in Murfreesboro to see my brother, Travis, who we've had on the show before. Maybe second episode, third, something like that.
2: Yeah, Travis I think was here like the sixth episode or something oh, like that.
4: Okay. Well, we've oh actually
2: god. got yeah, it was it was a while ago. It was one of our first. And we've actually got him on the line here because you guys had like a like a UFO experience, and I really wanted to sit down and kind of talk about it with you too.
3: Come in. Here. Uh
1: right. It, it... Zach
3: is here.
1: <laughs>
3: oh my god.
1: There he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is in
3: real time.
0: <laughs> he finally
2: made it with his like little tie-dye cat T-shirt.
0: But
3: but yeah, it, it definitely seems like a UFO experience, bro. Uh, so I I guess I'll start off because like I was the I was the first one to see it and I got his attention. So what happened was, uh, you know, we went to Publix to go get some groceries. Uh, groceries <laughs> in quotes. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh huh. But we pulled back get up to the house. Here. Some of that
2: Tennessee moonshine.
3: I wish. I'm excited to tell that, bro.
2: That's probably not a good thing to talk about when you're you talking about UFOs, yeah, exactly. considering we're, all the things all about of the
3: credibility. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we we pull back um, up to his house, and I get out of the. Well, he gets out. He's headed toward the door, and I look out to my left. Just glance at the sky, and I see this light that looks like an airplane light, and it's uh, it's like slowly, very slowly traveling, going left a little bit. Uh, just like an airplane would, but it wasn't blinking, right? Yeah. And so uh, I start to just say, you know, dismiss it. Oh, I was just an airplane or whatever. And but it, it, just as I was about to look away, it starts falling from the sky vertically. Uh-huh. Uh And it it starts falling several miles, and it's got this trail of fire behind it that must have been miles long because of the distance. And then, um, so it it falls several miles to the sky and then it just stops, it turns back to blue again from the fire color. It hovers there for a minute, and then, or actually for about two or three seconds, and then it disappears.
2: Okay. And Travis, uh, do you uh, like pretty much in agreement with what Luke saw, or did you see anything that was kind of different?
4: Yeah, I'm, I, that's pretty much what I saw, except for, um, to me, it looked like it was a cigar shape. Um, and, um, and,
3: and it should be said, too, that... I have kind of bad eyesight, and I don't wear glasses, yeah. and he's got 20-20
4: eyesight. Okay. Well, when I saw it falling, it was um, it was like a cigar shape, and it was falling at an angle. And, and like Luke said, I, I thought it was originally like a an airplane or something falling out of the sky, but we uh, ruled that out because there was uh, airplanes in the sky n- near it, and uh, the size of it was just, you know, uh, much larger. Uh, so it, right when it was falling, it started falling at an angle kind of tilted. And then as Luke said, when it stopped, it, it fixed its orientation where it was, you know, level horizontally uh, before it disappeared.
2: Oh, wow. So uh, this is in the kind of like the Murfreesboro area, right? And that's, anybody's not familiar. We're in Nashville. All our people that are listening like other parts of the country in Tennessee are the, Mm -hmm or in the world, um, you know, Nashville is kind of like in the center of the state of Tennessee and you've got Murfreesboro, which is like about 30, about 30 miles to the south. southeast, Yeah. yeah. Southeast. Yeah. And so uh, other people have seen, have other people seen this?
4: Yeah. Like, in Murfreesboro. I got online and looked uh, a few days later. Uh, two people have reported it to a uh, new I think it's called. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> A website for um, uh, people that see UFOs uh, and in and, and their remarks people had uh, made comments that they also saw it and they described it pretty much exactly what we saw so I mean it's I counted up how many people that was and I estimated somewhere between 15 to 20 people
2: how far back did some of the reports go
4: Well, uh, there's if you look up Murfreesboro UFOs, there's a a lot of reports uh, around Murfreesboro. I I think somewhere around twenty, fifteen, twenty something, about the same amount. Uh, And there's several in this whole area all around. And actually, I found another one that um, someone else that saw cigar-shaped UFOs.
2: Is, is anybody like you guys think that, like, possibility that it could be something else?
3: Now, I mean, my original thought was, you know, I, I just wanted to dismiss it as a comet, but since he mm-hmm. could see the cigar shape inside the flames, you know, I couldn't see that. Right. And he did. He saw the shape, and he, like he said, it was falling in a diagonal uh, orientation, and then when it stopped, it, it corrected itself to be in alignment, you know, with the horizon.
4: Yeah, uh, no. The only way I could explain it being uh, something other than UFO is that it would be space debris. But uh, the, the tra- trajectory and the way it was falling uh, wouldn't, you know, it, it, it's different than I, I think space debris would be. And also it was kind of moving slower. Uh, and it was extremely large. And then there was no yeah. reports of anything, any crash or, I mean, there was nothing. Uh and where we lost sight of it on the horizon, uh it wouldn't have hit a hill or something it exploded and disappeared. I mean it um it, <laughs> it was, was still the in the sky. sky, yeah. Yeah.
2: So it just kind of was hovering there in the sky for a little while?
3: It, for, for about three seconds after yeah. it fell vertically, it just it turned back to blue again and glowed and then it just disappeared.
2: Then it just disappeared. So it didn't like zoom off. It just right. disappeared.
3: Yeah, it just vanished.
2: Wow. Uh, is there anything, I guess I know there's, I can't think of too many like bases down there, like air for air force base in Tennessee. I do know there's some kind of, uh, isn't there something like around Tullahoma in that
4: area? Yeah, there some is a, like um, a, air force base there. They, uh, I think they have something to do with fighter jets yeah, or the engines for them or something of that nature.
2: Do you think there might be any connections? Because I know it's got to be a pretty small base.
4: Uh, Well, where we saw the the direction of where it was at, uh, it was kind of um, east of Murfreesboro towards Woodbury. Um, And uh, Tullahoma is is, uh, several miles south of Murfreesboro. Yeah. another, Another direction. That's possible. I mean, I don't know, but...
2: Yeah, supposedly Woodbury is an interesting place, according to Luke. <laughs> if the aliens are going to land, it's probably going to be there in that's, the trailer park. That's the
3: home of the woolly gums. <laughs>
2: What's the woolly gums?
3: Um, you have to watch that stupid movie I told you about. That's for, that's for another time.
2: I got you, okay.
3: <laughs> Thought I
2: would ask.
3: Yeah, go, go watch The White River Kid. Oh,
2: okay. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, there anything else that you guys want to add about the experience that you had i mean it was kind of quick sounds like it was just like a few seconds and i like, you called me man i was at work and you were like i just saw a ufo
3: man <laughs> yeah oh. I, I mean it it it, uh, it had us both riled up because you know we don't we don't usually get to see anything like that and we're both very logical and you know assessing right. people of like everything that we yeah. see and we always apply science to everything you know and yeah. um so actually getting to see and experience something is it was pretty uh pretty jarring, you know.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I've That's pretty never. Crazy. I,
1: never
3: I'm seen see
2: something like
4: that. I'll oh, go. Go ahead. Something also interesting. I, I um, sent an email to a local newspaper, uh, informing them that fifteen to twenty people had, fight, had seen you know sighted the UFO, um, and they never responded. Hmm. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. And there's also been a lot of talk lately. Uh, my dad was watching something, that, some kind of story on the news or something like that that was talking about the behavior of comets. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of dismissing, uh, you know, pe- there's been so many sightings lately around here. Yeah. The news is trying to dismiss a lot of it, you know, as just comets. We've had like a increased activity of uh, meteor showers and stuff like that. Yeah. So I
2: mean I, I've seen falling stars before. Um and
3: they don't behave. Like uh, they,
2: just you just, just see this like dart that. just like that's obviously going down. It doesn't it doesn't just stop in the middle and then just fade slowly out of existence. Right. I mean it's it's pretty quick and I mean they'll catch your eye and then it's just gone. Yeah. So that just this just sounds like it was it was possibly possibly something else in the falling star. Yeah,
4: the falling star arches across the sky. This was falling straight down, at, yeah. and at a slow rate, and it was large. I mean, very large object.
2: Falls straight down and then stops. Uh, I was talking to Luke the other day about because uh, I've seen, you know, the other day I was driving down, you know, also kind of like south of Nashville. This is kind of the other side, like the Williamson County. Uh, Franklin Brentwood area, and you know I saw like three streaks in the sky that you know I th- I think that are just like um, you know contrails or something that's in the sky, but it's like they just don't seem they just seem to just stay there in the sky and just like not even fade away, and uh, uh, I was wonder that maybe that could that have something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah.
3: To to do with. To do with, with what you
2: guys saw yeah
3: uh, well I mean I mean, we have been I have been talking to you a lot about kid trails mm-hmm. throughout the past uh, few months or so and how uh, that, well, that's that's for another time but right it seems that some of the crafts uh, just leave behind a, an exhaust a normal exhaust that just dissipates and some crafts leave behind that exhaust it just streaks across the sky and stays there all day long. So,
2: yeah, this is what I think that I was what, that I saw was like three different streaks. And my wife asked me what it was and I say it's just contrast but it made me it made me think about, you know, what you guys possibly what you guys saw in the sky. Um this is kind of the connection that I was making. Right. Was there anything else you guys want to add about this?
3: Uh, that that's pretty much it. I mean, we we I don't think we both have uh, had any other kind of experiences with anything, you know, terrestrial.
2: No, I so, never yeah.
4: saw anything remotely like this.
2: Yeah, so it was kind of an amazing experience, huh?
4: I It, it was just you, you get this strange feeling like, wow, you know, because I've always looked at the sky and, you know, kind of had that idea in the back of my mind, you know, there's UFO out here. I'm not going to see one ever. And then, you yeah. know, when you least expect it, there's one out there. Right. That's when it happens. Yeah. And then to have, you know, so many other people also see the exact same thing, it just, um, it confirms it, you know, that you're not crazy and that you're not imagining this. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, is there anything else we want to add to Travis? Thanks for, you know, uh, thanks for coming on and talking to you to us about it uh we're gonna uh take a little break here and uh we're gonna have on uh thad mccracken he has a book called the
3: Galactic Dialogs oh, occult
2: <laughs> initiations you, you're definitely yeah. going
3: to have to check this one out too because it's right up your alley. Yeah,
2: you I think you would like this too, Travis. <laughs> but uh he he talks about some of the like uh, actually talks about some of like the things that you talked about on the show with like language and how it holds us back and yeah. He actually talks about some of that some of that stuff. I don't know if we'll get into into that tonight. It was kind of like a tangential thing in the book, but uh it's it's pretty weird. It's all about um doing drugs and psychedelics and getting into uh just this I think it's 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 a little bit indescribable. So but uh we're gonna bring him on here in just a bit and uh thank you Travis for uh for coming on.
4: Thank you. All
2: right, we'll be right back guys on Conspiranormal. Normal. All right, we are back on Conspiranormal Normal. Uh we just had an interesting little discussion there about Luke's UFO experience. Yes sir. And uh we got Zach in the studio. Say hello to everybody, Zach again. Hello. Man man of many words.
5: So Uh, interesting. And on
2: the line, uh, via Skype, we have, uh, of course, everything is always via Skype, but we have uh, Mr. Thad McCracken. Good. Good to uh, be here. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on, Thad. And you are the author of The Galactic Dialogue, Occult Initiations. I am. I am. And uh, you were kind enough to send me uh, this book to... uh, to peruse, and, and an uh, autographed copy. Yeah, yeah, I have an autographed copy yeah, right here. Yeah. Um, and this,
6: this all happened because uh, I got hung up on by Coast to Coast, uh, and I think you saw that on mm-hmm. Facebook, which is kind of a funny mm-hmm. story in itself.
2: <laughs> yeah, I actually was going to approach you, uh, probably not to. Sure. Uh, not too far out from that, but I just decided, well, hey, you know, he's looking for, I didn't know if you were looking for people to uh, chose to be on. So I was like, well, I'm going to give you a call. Yeah, no, yeah.
6: absolutely. I love doing podcasts. Uh, yeah, so sweet.
2: I actually saw uh, an article where I first heard of you where uh, you'd, you'd posted something up about some, but one of our other guests that we had on, uh, Adam Go-Rightly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We've had Adam on about four times, and this was something about was about, uh, UFOs and kind of like the connection to the occult and, uh, you were a magical merry-go-round yeah magical merry-go-round right
5: yeah,
6: well, magical yeah, rides. yeah i'd definitely be uh be, be someone to talk to about that for sure
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well man let's get started with you know let's kind of go you know introduce yourself and i kind of want to know about your background sure. uh you know you are a musician and and among other things and i kind of want to talk about that a little bit and how you became involved and in, you know interested in you know something like the occult, and you know kind of like how you were were brought to that.
7: Yeah, well, yeah,
6: I, I am a musician, i played in various bands uh, in uh, Seattle, not big bands at all, you know, like most bands, just stuff, you know, no complaints, Got a decent amount of press, played a lot of fun shows, and went on that, but, you know, never, like, close to the level of making money, so I've put the majority of, attention in the, of my attention into that uh, for the last, I don't know, decade of my life when, I, when I'm not working, but, you know, I've always been writing on the side, too, and I've been kind of building that up, uh, and so I've been actually writing about music for a couple different websites, uh, and then I Started writing books, uh, and actually, after I'd written that book, Occult Initiations, uh, shortly after it was written, and it took another nearly two years to come out. Disinfo ended up picking up my writing, so uh, that's that's okay. given me a lot more exposure. Um, and the story of how I got into the occult, uh, which is in the in the book, if anyone's curious, and I'm sure I'll probably be telling story till the story till the day I die. Is uh, that um, so? At a young age, I had a very—I'm just one of those people, and I, I couldn't entirely explain. Well, I mean, I guess I can now. Uh, but I just have a really, really strong reaction to psychedelic drugs, and not and not DMT or ayahuasca. Uh, you know, basically just LSD and mushrooms. And I started—I tried mushrooms for the first time when I was like 18. And I'm just one of those kind of people. who was such an intense, profound experience. And on a couple of levels, one is that I—I just—I mean, a lot of people that I talk to that you know say take LSD or or say mushrooms don't even you know get visuals i get the absolute craziest visuals in the history of the universe and it's more than just visuals it's like kind of staring into rapidly mutating transcendent art and there's you know a sound to it and more than that there's almost a level of communication that's going on and that's always been the vibe that i've gotten and so because of that and what's fascinating is because people talk about anomalous phenomena like psychedelics and how do we study that and i can say Behavior, as I've always pointed out, it, it's just ridiculous in the, the the bias and superstition we have against supposed, you know, shamanic or or just any kind of internal state of consciousness and the reality of those things, you know. Uh, but it's really easy to track behavior, you know, uh, and behavior is a physical thing. And not only that, when we study drugs, particularly psychoactive drugs, that's how we study them a lot of the time, by changing people's medical combinations and ha- having them reporting. Uh, and so yeah. and so, we, we look at psychedelics like we can't do the exact same thing with those drugs. And yet we absolutely can. And not just psychedelics, but, but other experiences, uh, you know, uh, like, say, astral projection, which I tried later and I'll get to in a second. Uh, okay. And so because of psychedelics, I went from a person that, you know, was interested in, in rock bands and And normal stuff, you know, I'm honestly somewhat of a jock, like really normal stuff, like drinking beer, you know, I'm obsessed with sports and stuff like that. And right after I took mushrooms, I instantly became somebody that was obsessed with alternative spirituality. Like, and, you know, this is a verifiable, testable thing, which is why I said behavior is a very measurable thing. You know, I started reading all kinds of books about UFOs, weirdly enough. Um, uh, remote viewing uh, Carlos Castaneda and you know shamanism and stuff like that and that introduced me to the concept that I wasn't you know the only, pr- not only that but 60's counterculture, I read a lot of books about that stuff just a lot of stuff, it's kind of like a private area of study just to really explain to me uh, what the fuck was going on and, and yeah. I eventually went to psychology and tried to study this in school uh, at Ohio State and re- basically ran into the fact that you can't really study this shit in the universities right now because of things like the drug war. Not only that, just the religious uh, puritanical kind of bias on our culture. So, with all those um, so because of psychedelic drugs uh, I, you know trying to explain these things to my parents I know my. it's, it's interesting that my dad actually gave me uh, got me into Castaneda because you know Castaneda was passed off as legit sociology in the day back in the day and I think my dad you know being more from an academic type looked at you know that there was maybe some legitimacy there because you know he was a legit sociologist or whatever but you know Cast- yeah, ca-
2: the 60s and 70s yeah, yeah. well
6: both my parents went to, went to uh, Berkeley in the 60s and neither one of them okay. like touched acid I think my dad like smoked pot a few times you know they were squares essentially but <laughs> gotcha uh, uh, yeah despite being Berkeley in the 60s so you know they weren't entirely unprepared for the idea that they would have a kid who would blow his mind on psychedelic drugs like when i'm telling about this stuff you know them about this stuff it wasn't like oh that's crazy obviously they grew up around the 60s counterculture they understood this was a thing that happens um, so so yeah my dad gave me castinated and then my mom gave me robert monroe uh who is an astral projection and um the first and astral projection is some really weird ass shit. And when people talk about alien abduction uh, uh, phenomenon, uh, pr- yeah. prominent scientists, even Carl Sagan, say would even say attribute it to sleep paralysis. Now, the thing about astral projection is you're intentionally inducing a sleep paralysis state and then trying to roll out of your body when you're doing that, and it leads to these. Incredibly bizarre experiences uh, and and those experiences were so strange to me that uh, I actually stopped the practice I started having kind of basic classic incubus succubus type experiences except what's even stranger about that is these experiences were like incubus succubus but there was almost like two levels it's like these things were controlling my dreams and then i would pull out of my dream and all of a sudden there'd be this other level of like sleep paralysis reality where there was an entity connected to me so like in the sexual experience this entity was actually merging with my spirit and it was actually taking control of my conscious experience of the dream now this isn't something that Robert Monroe ever talked about you know I didn't read about this in astral projection so basically I tried astral projection and it had a really weird effects but not actually the effects that Monroe was talking about it led to these kind of incubus suction, succubus type experiences so I had these experiences and then I went through basically a 10 year period of my life where I was in complete denial about the reality of what had happened to me I just you know and, and, and it's the rational – it's the, your upbringing, the way you've been conditioned by your culture. You're supposed to think that this stuff is not real. And yet the, the experiences was just so profound, I knew that there was more to that. But you want to fit into society. So you don't want to um, – you know you you can I mean you can barely talk about these things. It's so weird and so out of the ordinary for most people that you know I'm on a you know a podcast talking about it right now, but honestly throughout my day day to day life, the odds that I would be telling a story like this to like anyone I know is pretty much zero you know i just I just went to Thanksgiving yeah. with my family, you know. We didn't go into this stuff, uh, although it, I, I will say it has come up before because you know bizarrely synchronous uh, take. I have a brother, a stepbrother who actually lives in Peru now. So every now every now and again that comes up, and he actually pursues like ayahuasca shamanism. So yeah, two people in the same family. So anyways, so I went through about a decade where I was in denial about the reality of this stuff, and then one day uh, when I was at a really low moment in my life, which is weird because a lot of spiritual transformations, when you look at this, happen in these very low moments uh, of of one's life. And so yeah, I mean, I was just kind of of like drinking myself to death it was one of the first times i'd been like unemployed i i was uh collecting unemployment for a while and you know as a result of the actual projection or whatever whatever i had contacted uh oh and it should be noted that i discontinued actual projection like i tried this and so i even recommend people you know like people to try today but i always have to i also have to point out like these, some of these experiences that I had were utterly terrifying, and because of that, I stopped doing it. Like I haven't intentionally like listened to Robert Monroe's tapes and tried to astral project for a long time now. And yet,
2: well, what would what, what would happen to you in one of those experiences?
6: Oh uh, well, yeah, I could talk about one of them. Uh, one of them in particular. Uh, uh, I was just thinking about this today uh, because, uh, weirdly enough, I, I now because of disinfo, a lot of people. Somebody emailed me today, so I get a lot of people emailing me talking about you know weird experiences because you know we're, we're programmed as a culture again not to talk about this. Stuff, which is part of the problem. We're supposed to, you know, feel like you know you're ashamed, or you're crazy, and yet so many people have these type of experiences, and you know they don't talk about them, and they have no one to talk about. So, I I, I was in that situation. Yeah, pre-internet. So in college, um, I was dating this girl, and it was weird because this spirit whatever seemed to be associated with this particular girl, and. <laughs> it was it was like a sci-fi like you know it's like i wish i could replicate it if it didn't get terrifying because it was a sex dream where the person that i was having sex with would conform to anyone that i wanted you know like okay. i want you to look like this and you know you'd morph into it's like hollow deck morph porn you know such and this is what was happening so i was having a, and this like thing was trying to please me it's like okay i will turn into the form so i went through a couple variations and then i asked it to be this friend of this girl that I was sleeping with at the time. And the only reason I did that is because I was at a party where this girl got so drunk that she just got naked. So it had, like implanted the sex fantasy in my mind. And when I brought up the idea of her turning into that girl, the spirit became infuriated and just became like very angry with me. And I can- and so then it went back into the kind of, uh, 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 a liminal state between sleep paralysis. Actually, I'm sorry. What happened is yeah, she got infuriated and then the spirit form said, I am trying to buy you, or something to that effect. And when it said that it was trying to buy me, that the concept of being of this ownership, like I am trying to buy you, creeped me out to such an extent that I pulled out into the sleep paralysis state. In the sleep paralysis state, this girl was there. Uh, or whatever it was, the morphing, you know, uh, a sex fantasy creature was there, and it was kind of like sucking on my nipples too. And, and in this state, it feels like there's someone right next to you sucking on your nipples and like making out with you. Yeah. And gotcha. and then, oh, I think maybe remember, maybe that's when it said it wanted to buy me or something. Like that. But, but anyways, this concept it infuriated it, so it got up and walked across the room, and I saw this. I've never like seen one of these things before. And, and granted, I'm still in like a a sleep paralysis state, but I saw the thing get up and walk across the room and it was a translucent uh, perfect, you know, naked body of a woman that just got up and walked across the room and I was terrified. For some reason this absolutely terrified me because the tone of the interaction changed. Now this thing was infuriated at me uh, and I pissed off my astral level lover. And so it walked across the room in this translucent form and then it I, wa- I was so terrified that I wanted it to turn on the lights and it looked at me and it, and it said turn them on yourself fucker. And then just walked out of the room. And then I woke up fully, completely terrified. And, you know,
2: let me jump in here real quick. Um, This this sounds like a like almost like a classic like gin encounter.
6: Yeah. 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 I mean, basically stuff like. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and as we have these (laughs) legends of incubus and succubus, you know, throughout history, and we look at these just like a lot of spiritual phenomena as. Oh, you know, that's just some crazy, you know, thing that people just made up. You know, it's just a fairy tale and whatnot. No, and it's actually based on experiences that people have. I started experimenting with astral projection, and I started having those experiences. So anyways, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was so terrified, and this is know like 15 years ago so it was like dial-up internet and i just had absolutely nobody to talk about you know i remember just lying there just like god i wish i had somebody that i could talk about that would understand what the hell just happened to me and so that's a big part of the reason i I answer emails from people that i don't know all the time online is because so i can you know partially be the one person that you know these people can talk to uh you know about these things because you know i never had anybody i I, kind of had to deal with it myself
5: Let me just say that you're already one of my favorite guests.
2: (laughs) Fridge Radio Network is never going to be the same after this.
5: (laughs) They're going to
2: cancel us. Under some nipple sucking. (laughs)
6: I didn't ask if you're if I'm allowed to swear on here or not. Should
2: I? Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 okay. Just don't do it too like maybe too excessive. Okay,
6: it's, part right. of, it's
2: part of the character. It's part of the, the
6: character. Board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like most of the podcasts I've done are just internet stuff. So yeah, I do just it's just I have it. To
2: be yeah, different. we we are we are internet as well. Just like my policy kind of is if the, if the guest curses, then it's okay. But I'm I don't okay. like. I'll, I'll
6: try and keep. will try and I'll try and not go. You know, full like hip hop talk on you. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> gotcha. Uh,
6: my wife actually tells well, me I swear too much in my writing, and I'm like <laughs> – I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to communicate with a generation of kids like me that were raised on like gangster rap and stuff. I'm like, maybe I don't swear enough, and, enough. And then she's actually like, she works in education, and she hung out with a lot of her like 22 year old students one night, and she was just like, oh my god, they swear constantly. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's sort of what I was trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, what I want to ask you is to get into, um, you know, I saw a video that you posted not too long ago, and uh, something that I, I got until I saw this video uh, that you did that I never had really heard about was you said something about weed based and sex based chaos magic. Yes, yes. I had never heard of chaos magic. And of course we're talking magic with a K, Yes, absolutely. um, i never heard this term before. And then I started you know, seeing some of the things that you had posted. A couple of other people posted on Facebook about actors or celebrities. Actors,
5: that, celebrities, ganja baiting. Uh,
2: that uh, had uh, practiced uh, chaos magic. And what exactly is chaos magic? Well, chaos, and then you also talk about sigil magic I, I as well. I I heard
5: that term, yes. ganja baiting.
6: Gonja, <laughs> I don't know if I coined that too or not. I, I started using that uh, a while ago to describe it. So, yeah. um. So yeah, this actually goes along with the story. I I didn't get the whole way through. So after 10 years of being in denial about this, this entity shows up in my room and basically says, you know, you're going to be into the occult, you know, and it kind of snapped its fingers and just made me, and and instantaneously, and the the weird thing is it it like unhypnotized me essentially. They clapped two times and like woke me up. So then after that, and that was part of it, it was like, one, I realized that I was denying that I had these abilities that most people don 't really have, and that I could use these things to my advantage rather than being kind of like afraid of them or just wanting to fit in society and something snapped, and at that point, I became you know a sorcerer or a mystic or a witch or a warlock or whatever the whatever the whatever the f you want to call it you know <laughs> and, and believe me, the hardest person to accept what, uh, about that was me, and so the answer to the question of why i trip balls so much why i have the most bizarre vivid hallucinations is essentially because you know i I, that was you know i was called to be uh you know a a mystic or or whatever you want to call it or a magician with a k um so so that snapped in me and so then i started doing uh chaos magic and and chaos magic is based on a really some simple part premise uh but it's really the implication is i like to say that magic is is trying to think about the universe as con- as consciousness as comprised of consciousness rather than matter and then acting accordingly um and so the basic premise of a sigil is and and it's interesting too because i i never did sigils the way it was prescribed to me which i think is i don't know, just sort of obvious because uh uh you know, this stuff has to progress. I don't really honestly think that anyone – it's it's interesting that you get a lot of rigidity when you talk to – well, and that's what I like about chaos magic is traditional magic, there's a lot of rigidity. It's like you have to do these grimoires, uh, you know, the exact way. Chaos magic is more – you're kind of personalizing a magic practice that works with your, your consciousness personally. That's a little – more okay. of a subjective thing, um, you know. And, and I think it's important to think about this because a lot of spirituality and thinking about magic is rather than the scientific uh, uh, or the, the traditional Western way of thinking about trying to think about things in an objective and literal matter. In spiritual t- matters, you're thinking about things in more of a subjective and metaphorical manner. And that's sort of what telepathic communication is all about. When you talk about UFOs, when you have these, you know, every, all, all the all the UFO story, it's the same, the, the telepathic eye communication, you know, and it communicates in metaphor, not necessarily language. Um... So, so uh, chaos magic uh, – central magic in general is you take an idea and you attach it to a concept. The traditional way of doing it would be you write out a plot line that you want to see in reality and then you uh, take out all the vowels and you turn it into a symbol that looks magical that I guess, okay. I guess has an artistic value. Um, I never did that. I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to skip that whole process. Intuitively, I was like, I don't think you need to write this down on a paper and take out the files. I'm going to focus on the look magical part. So I would just take a piece of art and so you attach meaning to a piece of art. And what's, what, what's, what's fascinating to this about this to me is, like I said, I read a lot of books about remote viewing when I was younger. Remote viewing is based on an identical premise, and it's been demonstrated to work over and over again. I'm sure you guys have probably read about it at some point, even though it's been whitewashed on the internet by the scientific community. It's been demonstrated to work over and over. It's the same premise. In remote viewing, you're attaching a meaning to a random number and saying that other human minds can somehow pick up on the meaning that you attach to a random number. S-
2: yeah, that makes sense. S- right. Sigil
6: magic is your attack, and this is part of what appealed to me. Of course, I had to be forced into it by this other entity. And it should be noted that I did, in fact, read stuff about this. In fact, I read the disinfo book of lies that they put out, uh, uh, and you know, I because of uh, an interview that Grant Morrison did, I'd started reading about magic, but I didn't have the balls to try it until this entity kind of unhypnotized me and made me like force me, you know, push me into the pool essentially. So you're attaching a meaning to an object, and then you're creating a higher state, a higher state of consciousness. And of course, I would always say, and I don't see a lot of this in other, you know, uh, magic texts, that the easiest way to create a higher state of consciousness is by weed. Uh, I happen to live in Seattle, weed's legal now, so it, it's weird that I don't, I think more people aren't talking about the meditative properties of weed. And so you induce a higher state of consciousness uh, uh, with weed, and then uh, you you attach a plot line you want to see in reality, pick a symbol that represents that plot line, and then it's a bunch of inner visualization exercises. So, but you're supposed to do this when you're a heightened state of consciousness. Now, the safe way is I can say you can use music, uh, um, a, a psychedelic music with weed, uh, a good effects. There's a lot of different ways you can raise a state of consciousness. If you're going to go full in, you got to go sex magic. And what I find is fascinating about this is, like I'm going to admit something to you guys. Before I ever got into magic... I smoked pot and watched crap tons of porn. So, gotcha. you know, I think most people are uncomfortable. So it's this weird thing where, like, you know, we're all uptight about sex. And I can say personally that is why I didn't try it because growing you know, growing up in, in you know, Ohio and, you know, being a somewhat normal guy, you're just raised with this machismo thing. Like when you're having sex, you're thinking about tits. You know, you're thinking about pussy. You're not thinking about or, – or men if you're a gay guy. You're thinking about sex when you're having sex. You're not – thinking about other things in sex. And so that's what you're doing, Inner visualization You're visualizing the symbol that you want to see manifest of the plot that represents the plot line you want to see manifest in reality. And you're doing this in a heightened sexual state, a stone sexual state. And what you're supposed to then do is at the height of orgasm, project that sigil into the ether. Um, Right. And so you're kind of, like, tapping this image into a, into a psychic grid. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, this is not an idea uh, that's that generally attributed to uh, the, the sigil concept to Osmond Spare, who was uh, an artist, occultist in England, uh, you know, uh, 100, 100, 100 years ago, roughly at this point.
2: And I believe Crowley was big into sex magic. Crowley was big into sex magic. Part of it. Yeah.
6: Yeah. yeah, and Crowley did it differently, which is actually part of the reason I never stuck to the strict sigil protocol, uh, is because... Because I Crowley, I read a thing, where a biography of Crowley, and I must say, I don't, I'm not a Crowley fan. I think I think he was an interesting guy, but was, and he had a, a lot of interesting ideas, but he was also kind of a dick bag, and you know he was. <laughs> He, yeah. he treated people like shit, particularly women. I mean, he really did. And, yeah. And, and yeah. The whole, yeah, he did. And the whole, duel, it's true. And the whole great beast. And, he, was also an,
2: he was also a real uh, elitist snob, too. No, he,
6: was, he was a spoiled rich dude. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And, right. and, and you know what that – and and so funny is we look at wealth from such a perspective of envy, and I think that was part of Crowley's downfalling. Being a spoiled rich kid like influenced everything that he did, which is why he, like fucked everything up. You know, it's just like he had such a sense of entitlement and such a sense of I can do whatever the fuck I want. And you know, it when you look at it, it seemed to backfire on him on every turn. You know, people that idolize Crowley sometimes like you might want to like look at Crowley and how his life turned out because it didn't really seem to be that great. You know,
2: yeah, he died a heroin addict. Yeah. Let me just let me just jump in real quick yeah. and say, Luke, you can finally. Yeah. We finally have a guest that you can come on and say, "Have you ever practiced <laughs> sex magic?" And he, was, yes. They won't we'll get mad at me. <laughs> he asked Adam Go Rightly that question one time, and Go Rightly just kind of was taken aback. Not that he was offended or anything; it just kind of surprised him.
6: <laughs> I wonder if he, you know well. And the thing is, with with Adam too, he actually—it's weird—I ended up doing another podcast that he ended up—he was on like the week after. So he contacted me on Facebook and sent me the book about Discordianism that he wrote, which was really fucking cool. Uh, but he's yeah. had like an alien experience too. But it it 's funny that you mentioned that though because he 's an enormous fan of Robert Anton Wilson. I know he just went and you know the whole Discordianism. obviously he wrote a book about that i mean he 's pretty big into that, which was mainly popularized by Robert Anton Wilson. he knew Robert anton Wilson Robert Anton Wilson, of course uh was my introduction to sex magic. books like Sex, Drugs and the Occult and Cosmic Trigger were the introduction that I had to, to sex magic. You know, that's the first I had ever heard of it. And you know, Robert Anton Wilson writes about trying this and how weird it gets. And you know, he writes about this concept of, you know, and a lot of people have latched onto that, you know, you go through Chapel Perilous and you either come out in an agnostic or uh or you go crazy. And it's like that's that's just ignores people though like Crowley or Grant Morrison or me or Alan Moore who who have done it and then you know no the third alternative is that you turn into uh somewhat uh, of a mystic or a sorcerer or an occultist, and you stay that way like robert anthony wilson kind of abandoned that practice so you can let it, it but again i i i don't think that's that's crazy like i said people are really uptight about sex and and you know i i had to confront going into sex magic. The reason I wasn't doing sex magic is because when you read about it, there's something there about the sexual nature that just weirds you out and prevents you doing it. And we we live in a very, very sexually oppressive culture and it's made me think about sex. And that's what I say. is so funny about this. Like part of a creature summoning me into sex magic could have just been, you know, like, Hey, look, You've read about remote viewing. You've tried, like, transcendental meditation, stuff like that. you tried sober astral projection. Uh, you know, you smoke pot and watch porn all the fucking time anyways. Like, you know, why not do something <laughs> that goes more with your lifestyle? How about, how about sex magic? Know. Oh, sorry, my dog. Well, let me say this. Where, where you are,
2: I think, in Seattle on the West Coast, you know, especially, like, you know, uh, I'd say that you know it's a little more comfortable to maybe talk and about those kind of things. You no, know, where we are in Tennessee, it's a little, it's, it's a little. You know, you would, you could have talk about like maybe the three of us in this room here could talk about it amongst our, each other. No, there, but
5: there's a there's a small um, undercurrent of people that go to all of these like chill EDM shows and stuff like that, and yeah, and, and they'll totally on you know they'll be like yeah 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 and they'll they'll totally vibe with it, but.
6: Every, <laughs>
5: Everybody else,
6: no. Well, you know, as that's I said, guess like I am, like don't don't think that everybody on the West Coast is as free, as freaking weird as me. Like, no, that's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> trust me, I, I, I'm the only one talking about this this stuff out here, as far as I can tell. You know, and, yeah. So, and I will say, I suppose
2: when you're at your job, you know, it's like a little hard, you know, yeah. to talk about this I will
1: this say, kind of stuff.
6: even Grant Morrison and Alan Moore, I mean, like those guys kind of skirt around it. You know, they're, you know, like when you ask about the sex magic part, you know, Grant will say something like, "Oh, well, you know, that's the fun part," but they don't really go that deep into it, because I think we're really upset about sex, and, and what's interesting about that, you're in Tennessee, right? It's the influence yeah. of religion on our culture still to this day. Uh, you know, and how, and I think we we, we kind of ignore how much that's influences, and, re, and the occult gets this vibe of being Satan worship, and still to this day, I deal with this, uh, I mean, constantly. It's like, I, I don't tell very many people that I'm into the occult, because there's an instant connotation there. If someone would ask, I might say, yeah. astral projection, well, it, it depends on who. It depends on, you know, if I'm, if, if I'm trying to impress, like, you know, guys in a, in a metal band, or like a death metal band or something, or like <laughs> these, these musicians or arty types. I'll say occult, yeah, absolutely, because it's trendy. And part of the reason I call myself through occultist and refer to that is because, yeah, I mean, I could say you know New Agey or whatever, but you know, yeah, the occult's trendy right now for some reason, but not really that trendy. And most of the people that you know adopt an image of it really haven't actually tried any of the stuff, and, and and so there there is definitely that. But anyways, what's fascinating, I'm one of the weirder things about getting the occult is realizing the idea that. There's there's these dualities in life, and the concept of like weed based sect magic, or, or just you know the occult in general. It's slandered by it's been slandered by the church for so many years as being Satan worship, and it's pretty much telling you the exact opposite of what the church is telling you. When you look at religion, almost all of organized religion. When we look at, I mean, it, whether it be uh, it's all about repressing sexuality even buddhist monks like uh you know celibacy is that's part of the program the the, the the view is always been that sex is something that is going to uh you know prevent you from gaining any kind of spiritual knowledge and and not only that but then you look at the drug war and so you are current spiritual beliefs are essentially like you know, It's all about repressing sex and recreational drug use. And then so the occult is like the polar opposite saying those are the holiest of sacraments or those can be the holiest of sacraments if you use them right. So there's something pretty strange about that, that the occult has been slandered by the church to be a saint where, and really they are in fact telling you the exact opposite of what the church is telling you. The church is telling you these things are bad and they <laughs> going to prevent you from getting getting any kind of spiritual knowledge. And then the occult is telling you the exact opposite, which like these are the means by which you can gain spiritual Spiritual knowledge, and so there's something incredibly screwy about that. uh, You
2: know. Well, I had I had was going to save this question for a couple uh, questions down, but since we're on the subject, you know, um, you do in the book you describe kind of your relationship that you had, you know, growing up in church, and that you you know, that you, you know, fell away from it. But at a certain point, you actually, you know, found some kind of like sympathy for at least like the figure of Christ.
6: Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, no, that's actually a a story that's in my book. And I wrote a whole chapter uh, just about how I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was an altered boy, you know, I wasn't just, I think there's always been an innate thirst for some kind of spirituality in my life. I, I don't think I've ever had a tendency to be, you know, one of those hardcore atheist people. I've never been one of those people that, you know, thinks like that. And so, it's weird because I wasn't really grown up, grew up in a religious family, but my stepmom was religious, and she made us go to church, and so I ended up being an altar boy. Uh, and you know, we went to youth groups, stuff like that. Uh, but my stepmom had a policy, which was essentially: uh, as soon as you turn 16, it's then your choice whether or not you have to go to church or not. And what's funny about that is none of her kids went to church after age 16. She, she like what
2: denomination was uh, it? Episcopalian. Episcopalian. I grew up Episcopalian as well. Gotcha.
6: But, you know, I will say, and and this is, you know, how, you know, know, I've had to explain this to my wife because my wife has some very, you know, fundamentalist, and so she has a very negative association of religion. And I, you know, when I went to church as a kid, it it seemed like the most normal thing in the universe. You know, I I didn't go to a church where people were telling me that, like, homosexuality or abortion was wrong or or anything like that. So it was was really just a very normal thing. And and I think I address this in the book, too, which is funny, is I didn't actually mind going into church as a kid. And part of the reason is that there was cute. Girls there, <laughs> and you know, like yeah. again, it's just like, and, and it's so funny. But- Luke's
2: nodding his head right yeah, that, now. Yeah. That's,
5: that's my only reason yeah. for going too. <laughs> no,
6: I mean, that was it. As a kid, I was like, "There's some hotties there," you know. It's like that's that. That's why I didn't mind. I didn't mind going to youth group because there were some cute girls for like uh, other schools that you know that that you, you wouldn't see. And uh, so yeah, no. That, so so it's, it's pretty interesting. Again, the repression of sexuality, and yet the reason as a kid, even before I, I even mean, understood that that was that was like the reason I liked church is because it was like an excuse to you know uh, check. check got girls even though I really didn't know how to, you know, <laughs> talk my way into their pants at wow. that point in my life. But, uh, but so, so anyways, yeah, so in the book I do talk about, it. I did have an experience. So I was actually kicked out of a band at one point. Uh, so this band that I was in and they all lied to me about it. And, and so I was drinking wine one night and, you know, this is just random magic stuff. And so I had this experience where I, I just, I, and it was I was reflecting about how this me, uh getting kicked out of a band and then all these guys that I'd been known for like four years and hung out with constantly, you know, had just had literally like lied. And the way it went down was so weird. Like, yeah, I mean, they they didn't they didn't actually kick me out. They they pretended like we broke up so I thought the band had broken up and then I found out like five months later that they'd actually reformed and had just got another singer and what's hilarious what's hilarious too is the singer was like a million times worse than me and it really all comes down to (laughs) no no like but all of them would tell you this and like I'm friends with all I mean this was like 10 years ago now all of them would tell you this at this point they're like yeah the guy was horrible and he even ended up quitting before they actually recorded an entire album with him and he like stretched the budget because he sucked and then he ended up quitting before the album even came out and they had to cancel like the album release show because he quit the band this is literally what happened and and so yeah no and, and i'm friends with all these guys now which is but at that and so it was weird so i'm reflecting about how weird the situation was and how you know i was just trying trying to help people you know because that's kind of and, and it just kind of alienated me from the band and how all how it got to the point where it was so weird that <laughs> they essentially kicked me out of the band and didn't even have you know the guts to tell me to my face that that's what was going on uh and not only that it's particularly weird too because. It had to do with the you know ego clashes, and I can say this: women get uh, a, a rap for being catty. I can honestly say men are just as catty as a, that, that's been my experience in my life because yeah. there's, there's the whole alpha male thing, right? And and, and 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 I'm just one of those guys. I have a pretty strong personality. You know, I'm a pretty weird. Weird dude. And and so I've definitely run in a lot of situations in my life where there's the guy that is just not you know, it's like a basketball team, you know, it's like one guy wants to be the star and you know, it's like they're just not comfortable with you as long as you're around because then there's this weird I wanna be the alpha male and 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 what's so funny about that is I've never really had that desire. So this whole thing is I actually play, yeah, I mean, I'm a really good guitar player, and I was the best guitar player in that band, and, like, you can listen to my other stuff, and I didn't play any guitar in that band, because when I joined, they were just looking for a vocalist, and that's why they kicked me out of the band, is because the guitar player, rather than entertaining the idea of, like, after two records, me starting to play guitar, would rather, yeah. like, go about, so it was really weird. So I got kicked out of a band in a really weird way. So when I found out about this, I ended up drinking wine which of course the the symbolism the blood of christ and i don't actually i I do now but back then i was way more of a beer drinker so i started drinking wine and i had this like manic episode and i just went through this download of information that made me realize because after i turned 16 and i started questioning christianity um you know there's a lot of things that just don't really add up about christianity you know and i and and so i kind of Went back in the faith, and of course this was the '90s too. And I always have to point this out when I'm telling the story about being anti-religion because it's you know there maybe should be more bands, but you know back in the day like there was there were bands like Nine Inch Nails and Ministry and Tool who were you know making millions of dollars making these angry anti-religious songs, you know. Right. Uh, And and so you know that fed on me. I love that music. You like I was I was like. The guy that the nineties teen angst thing was trying to mark to I mean I was definitely at the spiritual edge, but like all that stuff like worked on me and it and there was a level of negativity to it because you know you know even i after I played in that metal band for years when you, you know when you really focus on stuff that pisses you off all the time, and I did the singing in the metal band for years <laughs> it it 's this weird effect where that 's not really that great for your mental health you know
5: I, I understand that completely because there's been time i mean i 've been listening to death metal since fourteen and there's there's been times where I had to quit, I had to stop listening because it, it started to drag me down.
6: Yeah. I get the same way. Yeah. Well, Definitely. and it's great, and I love it, and I still listen to metal to this day, but it was weird, too, because I played in a straight-up kind of, like, angry metal band, and, and the four years that I was doing that, metal went from, like, 20% of what I listened to to, like, 80%, and then right back down to 20 when that band was over. So, <laughs> yeah, so so... So, anyways, so I, I, so I had this thing where I confronted religion, and I realized that I was really pissed off because I felt like I was had. You know, I believed in all this stuff wholeheartedly, and then I started questioning it, and I was like, you know what? Religion is bullshit. I can't believe I got manipulated, and I felt very angry. And what's interesting is I think a lot of the very hardcore skeptics—that is the exact personality type that they had—is they were raised in religious environments, and then they became you know too smart for religion, uh, and then they they were pissed because you know I feel mad. So I had that, and so I was forced to confront it in this manic episode, this wine-induced manic episode, which I can't say I've really had anything like that happened since. I mean, it was just strange. I went into this strange mania where I just ruminated on my relationship with Christianity and I realized that it, it wasn't helping me, you know, especially because, you know, as someone who aspires to talk and, you know, educate and, and talk about spirituality, you know, uh, you have to be able to talk in people's language and, you know, you live in a society where, where people look at things through a Christian lens and that's just the way it is and I understand that. And not only that, but uh, who has more in common with me i mean that's what's so funny is i actually developed a personal relationship with christ when i was doing this and so anyway i mean i'm supposedly the creepy occultist but i can tell my story of how i developed a personal relationship with christ because i realized just like a lot of guys in the band some of why the personal dynamic went bad is one of the guys in particular was um was breaking up with uh was going through a breakup and i was and i was you know trying to you know convince him that you know to move on with his life and stuff you know i was trying to help him and it really alienated him the guy started hating me and this is the same guy that doesn't didn't like me playing guitar really weird band dynamics so it was just this this thing where you know you're trying to help people and and look what happened to jesus you know jesus is trying to help people he's supposedly the son of god and, and trying to save humanity and you know it gets strung up to a cross and so i realized that part of the problem with christianity which is almost like a bill hicks routine and this is a concept that in my head that i and kind of going around is the symbolism of the cross like why of all the symbols in christianity do you pick the symbol of the cross which is basically a symbol of your own stupidity you're saying look our savior came down here and we killed the motherfucker you know it's like why are you going to embrace that symbol so i in this trance i was i realized that the symbol of the weeping christ and it should go back to i had a strange way before like five seven years before this happened i had an experience on lsd where my uh my girlfriend and me at the time, we had, like, a hipster Jesus bathroom. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember. Hipster
2: Jesus bathroom. Did you guys
6: – <laughs> did you, did you have you ever seen this? It's not – like, it was a thing that was going on maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. I did. So we did that. Okay. We had a bathroom in our apartment. And we put, like – even though neither one of us believed in Jesus at this time, we put up, uh, like, all these images of Jesus, you know, just because you know, we thought it was funny. And it is kind of just cool. So anyways, I took acid one night and uh, I am basically essentially doing sex magic. That night, and I sat there, and for some reason, the, the, this image of the weeping Christ just transfixed. You know, like it was just like staring through my soul. Like I had this connection with with the image of the weeping Christ, and and my my girlfriend literally had to pull me out of it. I like got sucked in the world, and I was just staring, like staring at the weeping Christ, like having this communique for like ten minutes. So later in this manic episode, uh, I realized that I just had this idea that rather than representing the cross. Which is what Jesus does. A better symbol for a Christian sect would be the Weeping Christ, because what the Weeping Christ symbolizes is an empathy for the Christ, who is the 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 mystic, the source for character. It's it's more of a symbol of Gnosticism, is is understanding, trying to get in Jesus' head, and you know he is just trying to help you, and you you killed this guy, so why is that? You know, trying to get into the head, trying, to, and not only that, it's just a good way to feel empathy for others. And and so yeah, I realize I've, I've made peace with Christ. I've developed a personal relationship with Jesus, and you know I I use it in ritual and in, in any time where I'm in a situation in my life. And that's what I realized, too, is like uh, whether you want to believe that Jesus was real or not, uh, he is. I mean, everybody knows the story, and it's interesting that we live in a society where we, we think about things in these objective, literal ways, but like real, and you know, I can be in a crowded bar, and I don't know any of these people, and these people are real. Saturn is a planet that's millions of miles away, or I don't know how many miles away, but nobody can, nobody's ever even going to, no human is ever going to experience that, and we consider that real, and yet the story of Jesus is a story that, was, we all know we talk about it, we all know the story, so whether or not he's a person or not uh is is sort of relevant he's a powerful concept and you know it was something that i that could be used to my advantage and I have a good knowledge of it. i've read the, i've basically read the entire bible we i went to uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad I did in retrospect. Not only that, but I also associate with Jesus. That was another part. It was this in this manic state that I was in. There was this sense of the divine light, what people talk about in near death experiences, and you know, this all forgiving, all loving divine light. And, and and to me, that's that's essentially again, I, that's that's what Jesus represents. You know, the character of Jesus, whether you want to call him Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, it's that. All pervasive, you know, divine light that is all forgiving and 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 ever and, and everything else, and just you know, so 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 amazing that it kind of makes you weep, weep che- tears of joy. And so yeah, so-,
2: so Thad, you would say you would say that like you would say you necessarily have like any enmity really towards Christianity now.
6: Well, I well what's the other fascinating thing uh, is because what I've been forced to confront in my occult practice and in, in, in things like astral projection, is that Christianity is actually based on shamanic concepts. And When I talk about, you know, think about the weeping Christ, like why are we killing this guy? Why would we string? <laughs> we have to actually maybe listen to what he has. Let's, let's learn from this mistake and, and, and not, not you know, not, not, not hang these people uh, that have these. Because what I've realized is there's concepts in, in basic religion in Christianity. And this has been the most shocking thing. About me and my pursuit of the occult is because I've rejected Christianity, and yet I think most of the world's face, this this concept of the f- lower realms, what they would the Christians would refer to as hell, uh, okay. and then higher realms, uh, which Christians would refer to as heaven, and then both kind of more. Uh, and this is what I've been shown in a lot of visions, higher dimensional beings, which would be referred to as angels, and then lower dimensional beings, which they would refer to as demons, and that's just a different way. Rather than thinking about these things as good and evil, I would say lower dimensional and higher dimensional. It's kind of, you know, it's just a totally different way to look at it. And what that does is, like, my experience is that that demonic type entities, whatever you call them, like, thinking of them as evil, it's just a binary thought pattern. It's so much more complicated. It's lower, it's more lower-worldly. And so there is an a- aspect of magic when you're trying to tap in. Most people that are going to do magic are going to do so with the intent of gaining some kind of worldly success. And there is an element of magic, but you have to be balanced in that you're the ultimate goal and and this is another vision gosh i could talk about this i don't know if i've ever really told the story in there but um so so the idea that there's kind of lower realms and higher realms stuff that i've been shown in various visions and that the goal of life is trying to ascend to these higher realms that are much less structured and much less restrictive and where you are pure imagination and you know you can you know it's basically and this is an occult concept that it's humanity's uh, pursuit to pursue Godhood, you know from an occult perspective that 's what mankind is here to do it 's a lesson plan we 're supposed to be learning and evolving towards god's and you live a cycle of life which teaches you how to do this and so I think ultimately Christianity is based on some very shamanic concepts and we and, and you know and we know that it 's based on these older books you know from a pre existing more shamanic society, so we 've completely lost sight of the fact that. Christianity is ultimately based on these ideas that Christianity now hates. <laughs> and there's a supreme irony of that. And there's there's almost an in-joke in the story of Jesus. This just like this this more shamanic, mystic guy comes around and he pisses everybody off, you know? I want to
2: talk a little bit about, you know, because about the whole concept in the occult, which I think is based, uh, you know, more Gnosticism than uh, anything oh, else. Oh, absolutely. It's the whole concept of man becoming god and if you look back you know into the you know the garden of eden i mean this is this is an old as old a story as humanity almost it's like you know the you don't eat that tree because you'll you will be as god yeah uh you know you had an experience yourself that you had some kind of communication that someone told you that you were a, a reincarnation of uh basically a god really
6: yeah yeah i had that too and there's another well yes I have actually, yeah. And this is, this has been recent. This is actually after I've come out with the book. But what's fascinating about the book is that I do talk about, and of course, the rationalist materialist would accuse magic of all being in my head, and yet there's a story in my book, which you've probably gotten to, that is my wife. And my wife had this transmission uh, during sex, and I think she was sex and high, about six months. She had known that I was into a cult. She had no idea that there was any kind of... of any kind of a sexual component to what I was doing at all and then she had this sex tra- such magic transmission where uh she, it was she was communicating with this telepathic uh god entity or whatever you want to call it and, and, and this entity was telling her that I am just and implement that this God is using to accomplish whatever he's using in this dimension, essentially. Like I am, I am just like a puppet of this God. And, and, and she, and it was told to her, you know, that I didn't even know this and that I was very important to her. And because, you know, she sort of balances me out. Like it was actually told that I'm sort of like a psychic vampire and she has this blue type of energy that I need. And so weirdly enough in the sex magic, I'm sort of like feeding off those. And what's, you know, it sounds crazy, but my wife and I are actually like that. She is, you know, when I met her, I was probably a little too much of a slacker. She was probably a little too uptight. We kind of balanced each other out. I've become more disciplined. She's become a little more, uh, you know, you know, she was too nerdy. I was kind of too angry and bitter and 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 uptight, or not uptight, but you know, a little bit too much of a slacker. So we just kind of balanced. So there's this transmission, and yes, recently, and actually, right after 2012. So, what's weird about this transmission is six months before that, when I'd first started dating her, I had a transmission that told me essentially the same thing. And it was me and my brother in this room and and, in my grandparents' old house, which in my mind actually is a metaphoric communication saying that this comes from the genetic side of my mom and my grandpa. Okay, this,
2: is in a, this is in like a dream, like a yeah, vision? Yeah, dream. So you're not yeah. actually with your brother. No,
6: I'm, but he was He was in the dream and the dream was, okay. and, and again, it's interesting because it, the, I've, I've caught on to, you can read dreams in metaphorical. I was showing this in my grandparents' house which indicates that this is coming from the genetic side of my mother and what's funny about my mom is my mom, I, I love her but she is sort of half crazy and that's what's fascinating about me is my dad is again uh, you know, uh, a fairly sex- successful physician. My mom is just this side of crazy. And then, you know, this didn't really have occurred to me much until she had a schizophrenic brother. So, like, the crazy gene is in my psychology. So, what it's telling me, you know, and I think definitely, you know, there's there's the what I do in magic. It is sort of like intentionally driving yourself crazy. And, and being someone who's a mystic is someone who's essentially half crazy, half sane. That's kind of what a mystic or a shaman is. So, it's telling me this. And my brother is there. And my brother said there this shaman guy shows up in the room and it's just like t- typical like dark robe almost like the emperor in star wars shaman like type you know dark dark robe uh thing and he t- tells my brother it's like oh this you know you're uh y- y- you don't believe that he's the, you know, the, the, the latest incarnation of whatever this god. And I didn't remember the name. It wouldn't tell me the name. And, and, and he's like, no, I don't believe it. And so the guy goes, okay, I'll show you. And then he shot me full of electrical energy. And my consciousness started expanding at such a rapid rate that I woke up screaming in what is my future wife's arms. Now, this was six months okay. six months before. My wife has this transmission confirming the exact same thing. So after 2012, but there was a period there where it was sort of telling me that uh, I wasn't supposed to know this information. And when you look into Magic, this is just something that they talk about. As soon as you know the name of these entities, you have some kind of power over them that you wouldn't have. So up until 2012, I had various visions telling me like, I'm not supposed to know this. And I pulled out of the dream with the first dream that I had with that impression that I, like, I, this is something I'm not supposed to know what this is. And I tried to remember. And the best I could remember uh, is there's Fanimas uh, who did a cover of the song from The Omen. So it was like, Satani is the refrain, right? know, And, and this, is, this is insane. So that's the best I could remember. So after 2012, pretty much right afterwards, I am told in a dream that, or maybe it was a meditative state, that it, it was Beelzebub. Right, the demon Beelzebub, that this is like my demonic guardian entity. How insane is that? Okay. You look into this, though, and you realize that Beelzebub was actually the ancient god Enlil. It's just been relabeled Beelzebub uh, from a Christian perspective. So it's not – I mean you say that and that's why I I, I refuse to – like I I will call it Enlil forever. And I haven't done any rituals to to summon it or whatever at this point. But I'm going to refer to it as Enlil because the the word Beelzebub has been so tainted uh, by our society. But Enlil was an ancient god that was worshipped by entire civilizations back in the day. So something about my subconscious has has been telling me that I am somehow – the progeny of this ancient God. But when I say progeny, I've also had images about the Holy nature of the Holy Trinity. So when I say progeny, it's not like in a physical sense at all, like this is somehow my guard, a guardian entity. And, I've also been told – and what's weird is I also have an angelic guardian entity from from what I've been shown in my dream states, but I don't really know the name of that at all. So this concept of angelic you – know, you ever see the, the thing with the, the angel on the, the shoulder and the devil on the shoulder? You're like yeah. This is actually, again, these things that we look and we think, oh, that's just fantasy. And yet since I've gotten the occult, that has basically been the impression is that, that there's a lower world – and again, I don't – the, the term demonic has been tainted so much. You have a lower, lower worldly guardian entity, and this lower worldly guardian entity helps you with shit that applies here in the lower realms. And then you have the higher worldly entity, and the higher worldly entity is showing you how to ascend to the higher realms. And you need both of these things to be balanced. So you know, I, I think really to really exist in the society, society. So essentially, this was show me. So what I've been shown is that my guardian entity is Enlil. Again. This is something that showed up in my life. It showed up then in my wife's life, and it gets even weirder because I did a remote viewing experience with Gabriel D. Roberts, who is another uh, Disinfo author. He writes about DMT and stuff like that. Actually, he was a Christian author. He would probably be a good guest for your show. So anyways, I did a re- he, knows, okay. he knows how to remote view. I did a remote viewing experience. I'd never – and all I did was assign numbers to targets. I'd used a random number generator, and I said, I'm going to assign this target to this number, and then I'm going to give it to Gabriel, and I gave it to two other people who also – they were two for three, possibly three for three, which again, we talk about remote viewing working. When you look into the god Enlil, it's the lord of the flies. And I gave it to Gabriel de Roberts, and my exact thought was if, well, and not only that, there's another element to this where I've communicated with this thing under the influence of hallucinogens. And Alan Moore had an experience where he talked about uh, having an, uh, having a communicate with, uh, the de- uh, the demon Asmodius, I believe. And it showed him an image of what Enlil or Beelzebub is supposed to look like. And it's yeah. exactly what I've been seeing in hallucinogen for years, which is this thousand eyed, uh, insectile hive mind entity. And in fact, yeah,
2: you do talk about that in the book. Yeah. I just read that the other day. Yeah. And,
6: and so, what's really, I, mean, I wrote about this in my other book. I, there was the one time in my life where I took, too much acid. That's what happened, is the walls completely receded, and I was face-to-face with this thousand-eyed obsidian black demonic entity. And what's so funny about this is when I call it demonic, I would say it is bizarre because this kind of imagery, I mean, you're, you're getting into almost like H.R. Geigerish type stuff. And, and the stuff that most people, and I remember thinking like some of these hallucinations, this one in particular, like most people would find this absolutely terrifying, and yet for some reason... I think it's awesome. You know, like I find it beautiful. Like there's not there's there, there's like an incredible beauty in this. Like it's so intricate and otherworldly. And yet this complete realization that if most people's wall opened up and they were face to face with the thousand eyed, you know, uh, multi tentacled demonic entity, they would you know completely shit their pants and run away. And yet, I think that I probably would too. Yeah. And yet I think this is awesome. You know, I'm like this is amazing. You know. A at the same time, you you um, after
5: doing shrooms several times, you had to have note uh, had to have known like how to start moderating your trips to be like you know I, I know that I'm on it right now, so I know what I'm seeing is is a you know a, a vision. Yep. Right.
6: Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and this is way this is like 10 years before any of this stuff about Enlil or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I got off track. So so I realized this has been going on for a while. Like I confronted this thing like a long time ago. Uh, and and and, and that, there was this sense of ownership back then when I confronted this thing. Like I said, there's always a level of communique when I do, you know, uh, mushrooms. It's definitely the more we forget the shamanic cultures have had that attitude for thousands of years that when you if you do hallucinogens in a more ritualistic rather than recreational manner that you can literally be be communicating with other entities and dimensions and so then, like you know, ten years after all this stuff about you know Enlil being my guardian demonic entity or whatnot, uh, and then so yeah, I gave it to Gabriel D. Roberts. So then you have my wife, and then Gabriel D. And I even said if he comes back with anything about insects or eyes, like that's gonna be so many so tripped out. The drawing he gave me back, and the, and talk about an abstract concept. I attached a meaning to a run in armor and said that's my demonic entity. And I did it. Cause I was like, after I was told this and like in 2012, I did this like a month after I was told and I was just like, so weirded out. I was like, okay, that's so crazy. <laughs> like whatever. Let's, let's give it to Gabriel D. Roberts. He picked up on it. He draws like a picture of a fly essentially. And then like an eye and like, you know, if I said eyes and, I, and that was my thing is like, if he comes back with eyes or insects, that's going to trip me out. He came out, he came back with eyes and insects. So hmm. yeah, that,
5: that's, that's strange too, because I, I've gotten really, really stoned before and. And, and um, and drew and drew a picture of like this. I drew this really ab- abstract uh, fly, like digital art. So yeah,
6: well, yeah, and so that now, now I'm left with this is this representation that so many people have drawn throughout the years because you can see this in the art a lot of psychedelic art. You know, these multi-eyed creatures. Are these really mm-hmm. what Christians have been referring to as as you know? demons or demonic forms of intelligence you know and and, you know and so yeah it's 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 an odd question what is this thousand-eyed imagery uh that people see in hallucinations and yeah i had another experience which i talk in the book where uh it i started having all these thousand-eyed image visions and then it got really weird and it was this level of communique where it was just like we're not just the creative intelligence that made insects we're the creative intelligence that made, like, crustaceans. And it started showing me all these images of, like, sea spiders and all these crustaceans. And it was, like, this image where there was this harmony. Like, I was seeing that there's this beauty in the world of, like, muscles that we just don't see at all. They were like singing in harmony and there was this communication between them. So, so again, it's sad.
2: I want to interrupt yeah. and just tell you that you're blowing Zach and Luke's minds right now. There's, <laughs> there's gray matter coming out of their ears.
6: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm glad I could help. I, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm a pretty weird guy. Like I said, yeah. I, uh, everybody on the West coast isn't like this. Believe me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. No so so it's fascinating. So but the thing about the whole Enlil thing, I still haven't Done anything with that? You know, it's like I've been given this information. And I have not once in my magic because this is what a traditional. I mean, when you look at traditional, some, some the magic of Solomon and whatnot, it's all about conjuring these ancient, ancient demons and like developing relationships with them and then banishing them. But what's so funny about it is this gets a bad rap of Satan worship. But when you look in the tech, uh, the technical aspect of it is you can't get these things to do what you want them to unless you have pure intentions. The light of heaven, the light of the more angelic creatures tells these things what to do and they have to obey it so you can't you know have the service of these things you know so there's this bizarre thing it gets a magic uh, it gets a wrap of demon worship and there absolutely is that aspect to it but the concept is that angels are higher than demons on this order and you have to use these angelic abilities to control these demons and more to the point if your intentions aren't pure and you don't have that angelic purity, like I'm using this for a good pur- uh, purpose, these things will absolutely just turn on you. And rather than doing what you say, they're just going to completely fuck you over. <laughs> you know, that's like if yeah. if you're not using this for pure intentions, then they're just going to be like, okay, I might do what you say and then completely screw you over. But if you do have this purity of light, and I've been shown this in visions, it's it's the angelic light that has the ability to command these lower dimensional entities to do what they want. And 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 again, I've also seen that you know uh that we have this concept you know of good and evil and uh, what's sort of been communicating me a lot of trans states is that a lot of these things that these demonic elegy and and entities do is commanded by these higher entities so it's just like what the fuck are you blaming us for some of this shit this is we're just doing what we're being told to do by these higher entities so this idea of thinking of angelic forces of being all good again (laughs) not necessarily the way to look at it it's that's not necessarily a way it is. I mean I think it's metaphorical to our reality and that there's a level of exploitation going on there just like you see in our society by the wealthy to the poor. I think it's all a metaphorical aspect of Sina, kind of what's going on in a higher spiritual sense, that there is this uh, variety that there's these higher dimensional entities that somewhat exploit lower dimensional entities, the human race probably particular. Anyways. <laughs> you, you had
2: uh, – you also had an experience uh, – this was an interesting part of the book that uh, I really enjoyed was you, this experience with like what you describe as a malevolent entity and that it taught you how to properly brush your
6: teeth. Yes. 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 Oh yeah. So this is the fascinating thing. As I said, uh, I am somebody who had rejected Christianity uh, with, you know, my pursuit into psychedelics uh, and, and astral projection. I had rejected Christianity essentially. And so the weirdest thing about getting into the occult was dealing with the fact that, Christianity is based on these ancient shamanic concepts. It's based on this stuff. We've just completely lost sight of that fact. And, and moreover, this stuff is just so much more complicated. You know, Christianity, the way it's practiced now, gives it, it can play off humanity's uh, desire for binary binary thought. And, you know, we give these good, good, evil, right, and wrong, and it's obviously way more complicated than that. So, yeah, one of the weirdest things is after I was summoned into the occult, I had, within like a six-month period of each other, this encounter with Jesus where I learned the potency of the white light and have this personal, uh, develop this personal relationship with Christ. And then shortly thereafter I had with the chapter in that book is called resisting the great Satan. And I had uh, a couple, a couple encounters with, I, I don't know what else I could, I could call it, but it really came across with, uh, as a, uh, you know, like I was talking to Satan or something. And so, the first time this happened, uh, my band had played a show at the Blue Moon, and uh, of course, when I first got into magic, I was doing spells to try and help that band because that's what I was putting my energy into at that point. And we played a show at this at this uh, the Blue Moon. And then I had this vision after that show, and the Blue Moon is a legendary hippie tavern in, in Seattle, like Jimi Hendrix played, but it's actually a historical uh, site. So, anyways, and I had this vision, and so I was walking past this thing, and there was this entity made out of mist that sort of uh. accosted me and said, "Hey, you," you know, and and like in weird, I walked past it, and all of a sudden I went lucid in the dream because it was just so strange. I'm like, "Wait, what is going on here?" Some dark mist entity came up to me. And said, uh, you know, and, uh, and and so I came back and I'm totally lucid. Thing shakes my hand and it says, you know, basically like, oh yeah, you know, the ban? there's nothing I can do about that. Sorry, <laughs> like I can't help you out with that. You like those? I I know what you're asking me with these spells and yeah, that's that's not working. There's nothing I can do. Sorry, out of my control. Um. So and, and the band ended up breaking up like four months after that, by the way, which I did not right. know was going to happen at the time. Um. So um, uh, and so. After about a year or so after that, after I finished my first uh, book, and it was weird because I went into this book sure. and it seemed like there was almost like a force struggling against me, like something didn't want this book to come out. Which the exact same thing happened with this new book, which is weird. So I, th- this is based my f- the first book. I wrote another book years ago. I didn't. I didn't even like it enough to promote it. Uh, I, it was. It was just too dark. I was younger and just you know, it was. It was, it was too dark a book. It's not bad. Some of it's good. Um, but so while I was writing this book, it seemed like something was forced. Was like how to prevent this book from happening. Like, and, and weirdly enough the book was about how I had a dream telling me that I was gonna die when I was 30 and it was an attempt to change that I was literally writing a book as a work of magic to essentially change this idea that I was going to get killed when I was 30. it, it, it was weird you know and, and, and it was an exercise yeah and it was an exercise and kind of like fighting for my life like I had too much negativity and it was almost like a spirit like challenged me like no you don't you want to live you like who you are you want to you know and then, like so this whole book was an exercise in like me confronting this self-destructive impulse after I finished it and had this entire day Day, like formatting some of the artwork, it took like nine hours. I had to talk to like three different customer service people. Like everything went wrong that could have getting this together. That night, I have this dream. I wake up in a more of a kind of a sleep paralysis state. Uh, all of a sudden, I realize that my wife, who's lying next to me, is speaking in tongues. Like just like she, I'm like I'm laying there for a while before I realize this happens. I'm like, wait, what the hell is going on? Like my wife is speaking in tongues. Like these really weird. So so all of a sudden, I, I
2: well, just to interrupt you real quick. Is that you know when I read that. But you mentioned that uh, when you when I read that uh I remember seeing a documentary uh someone telling a like a ghost story and uh someone had a similar kind of experience of that where their girlfriend was sitting they were in bed with a girlfriend and she all of a sudden all of a sudden started speaking in tongues like that
6: yeah yeah well yeah no it was it was totally weird and I think you know it's weird like Strieber has a, a like I remember. He has a story of he was going to name his book Night Terrors rather than Communion, and uh, he had this experience where he woke up and like yeah. his wife was like speaking in tongues and basically said, "It can't be Night Terrors. That's going to you know terrify people. <laughs> you need to make it something a little more positive than Night Terrors." You know, and so he changed it to Communion because of that experience. So this is somewhat similar, uh, except. Then what happens is all of a sudden I realize, oh, wait, that's not my wife. There is something next to me that's speaking in tongues. And I don't remember the entirety of the encounter, but at one point this thing came up and it – it. Told me to move to. Oh my, you guys are from Tennessee, right? Yeah, we're in Tennessee. Oh my god, okay, okay, so yeah, it told me to move to Tennessee. This thing, okay, so I must say, it it appeared to me, I got out, and so I'm like in an an out of body, like astral straight, and there's this being in front of me that it appears like this big, kind of behemoth, muscular, you know, dark, you know sort of demonic looking entity and it tells me over and over again move to Tennessee trust me you'll have so much fun trust me move to Tennessee trust me and it just keeps saying it over (laughs) and over again and Eventually, it realizes that it's not working. And I'm just like, what? You know? And then so it like gives up and it seems like frustrated. Like, you know, and it's, and again, about the repetition, what's fascinating about that, I've had other dream encounters like that. If you were from an ephemeral state trying to communicate with someone in a dream state, wouldn't repeating something over and over again be a really good way to communicate with it? Because then it would be sure to kind of remember what you were saying. You know what I'm saying? It is weird that it just repeated this over and over. But when you think about it, that would be a good way because you're going to forget most of a dream conversation. But if an entity said something, over and over again. You're going to remember, you what, remember, you're it. Gonna remember yeah. what it said. And I did. It told me to move to Tennessee. And then I got frustrated because obviously it could tell it wasn't working. It was trying to convince me to move to Tennessee. I'm not buying it. So then it sit down, sits down next to me and and then I, I ask it what it is. And of course, you know, like a, a really dumb thing to ask a, a, a weird spirit guide. Uh, and it starts showing, it opens up like almost like a telepathic book. And it starts showing me things in the book, and what it's showing me is all these images of Chinese, like, dragon, of, like, uh, you know, Asian dragon art, is what I can call, and I wouldn't even say necessarily Asian, just, like, typical, you know, I think you probably see this in a lot of places in the country, the typical art of dragons, and, like, this is what it's showing me, this is what I am, I'm <laughs> what these people were drawing in this, and, and and so I say, so you're some kind of a Chinese uh, dragon god, and, and it goes... I fucking hate China I'm the Tooth Fairy. And then <laughs> when it tells me I fucking <laughs> hate China I'm the Tooth Fairy, it grabs me by the shoulders, pulls me uh, like uh, up and down the stairs of the apartment where I was in. Of course, the weird... And it's, so it's like flying around with me, like grabbing me by the shoulders. It's like flying me around. And of course, the, the most jarring thing about this is I'm going through the walls that it's pulling me through. It's like pulling me through. The, I'm like going through all the walls in the stairwell. So it does that for a while, just like screwing with me. Then it takes me into the bathroom and says... This is how you brush your teeth. Brush, rinse, repeat. Brush, rinse, repeat. Brush, rinse, repeat. And, and, then, and it didn't just do it. It actually grabbed me. It made me do that. Here, brush your teeth. Okay, R- rinse it out. Repeat. Brush, rinse, repeat. Uh,
2: You're killing Zach I, I, right okay. now.
6: <laughs> so, so, so I wake up. <laughs> and and of course this is terrifying at the time absolutely terrifying but then as time went on as like i'm telling my wife about it 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 goes from being terrifying to being absolutely hilarious like when it's happening yeah. you know you're like oh my god that was horrifying and then you're like wait I fucking hate China. I'm the Tooth Fairy, and then it teaches me how to brush my teeth. And what's get
2: the Tooth Fairy demon there okay. or something? Yeah. Like... Yeah. <laughs> well, and
6: again, how we look at demonic entities is being wrong. Oh, and I'd forgotten that this thing also told me to stop smoking so much pot. Uh, in a in a pre- in the previous encounter where I shook a tan at the Blue Moon, and that was another part of it. it, it before it took me in and showed me how to brush its teeth, it threw a huge bag of pot in my fridge. And was kind of like, again like giving up. Like I can't get you to stop smoking pot, so you know whatever. You know here, just smoke as much pot. As You want. So there are a couple things. (laughs) I, I, um, My teeth were fucked up. Uh, After college, I didn't go to the dentist for like seven years. And I had one other dream where they were telling me that my gums were screwed up. And so because of this, one, I did in fact start brushing my teeth. I never used to rinse my teeth when I do that. I now brush, rinse, repeat all the time. I went to the dentist exactly like another entity in a dream told me. My gums were screwed up just like they said they were. I've been going to the dentist regularly ever since and I still brush my teeth that way. So again, this this idea of this evil demonic entity and this demonic entity is doing like basically telling me like, dude, if you don't take care of your teeth, you're going to, you know, be, you know, giving women gummy, you know, kind uh, of lingus when you're 50. You know, it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> You know? so the, that is a conspiratorial
2: first right there. Thank that, you, that. That, that
5: demon has to come visit me because I've got like pits in my teeth now. So. That's some good advice. So,
6: so, no, it's weird about this. And yeah, and, and it was exactly what they said too. It wasn't my teeth that were fucked up. It was my gums. And it was because, yeah. I don't know, I, I for certain, and, it, and it's just like really stupid. I brush my teeth way too hard for years. I was one of those people, I didn't know you're not supposed to do that. So I just go in and go, you know, I'm just kind of like one of those people that has a lot of energy. And so I'd, you know, go in and just power through my teeth and yeah that did screw up my gums i've had to add several deep cleanings to get that gun so yeah so the demon that you know that that taught me how to brush my teeth uh yeah uh, so so but again what's so weird about that too is I, I did have some several visions about moving to knoxville after that so it was yeah. it was like this idea that like you know Whatever this demon was, like if I wanted to at that time be a successful mission, like oh, you know, there is this weird element of it, like oh yeah, I can totally hook you up if you move here, like your music will take off, like right then, you know, and you know, it's
2: so weird because Knoxville, I mean, I would not think of Knoxville. We are Nashville. Some I mean, metal, there's
6: some good metal bands out in Nashville. Is there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, hmm. who, who knows? Maybe you just meet the right. Pro- I mean, you never know how that kind of stuff's going to work. You meet the right person that'd be a good chemistry for your band, or you meet the right producer or whatever. <laughs> Right. Who knows? Who knows why I would have so much fun in oxford But when you look too, I mean, this is there's the story of Christ and the resisting the demon and 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 and, and resisting Satan on it, and, and and the message of this, which is so funny because it's, it's in complete opposition to our culture, is the message is you don't want that. When this demonic entity says, "Look, you're a mystic. You have all this power. You could be the richest man in the world. You could be a king." The answer to that question is. No. (laughs) I want spiritual ascension. I don't want to just, you know, have wealth on this plane or material wealth. And and it's uh, the Buddha, too. So this uh, this idea of being tempted by a demon is, again, something that's in the Buddhist faith and the Christian faith. I don't know enough about the Muslim faith, faith to know that it's in there. But it's in there. And yeah, so it's like a resisting the great sin. So yeah, if I was a lesser man that was so desperate to have Musical success or just weird. Would I have just picked up and moved to to Nashville or Knoxville? I mean, yeah, who knows? <laughs> you know.
5: Adam likes to make fun of me because I got uh, I got really drunk and really high one time, and I was laying in bed just <laughs> trying to like come down a little bit because you know you get the spins and everything else. And, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I had my arms over my head. I had my fingers interlocked, and my arms over my head, and I had the the uh, open part of my hand, you know, my palms touching my head, uh, you know, one hand on top of each other. So I look like an eyeball, like my head was the eyeball. Mm -hmm. And and the arms were like the shape of the eye going around my head. And I, (laughs) and I called myself the eye of knowledge. And and I, (laughs) and I felt, I felt like whenever I did that posture, I could see through anything that I was looking, like not see through like translucent, but see, see through it as I could understand like what it was made of and, and all the science behind anything I looked
6: at. Well, and, I gotta, maybe you could. <laughs>
2: I got okay. kind of a twofold question sure. for you, sure. Thad. Um, and it's about, you know, first of all, you know, we talk a lot about you know, like alien abduction phenomenon yeah. on this, on this show. And, um, you know, what's kind of your viewpoint on that? I know you have like some stuff that you've talked about, but like, uh, you know, Graham Hancock and, some interesting th- ideas that 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 he has had that you've kind of elaborated on, and then also too, you know, the the role of you know kind of getting into like a more conspiracy stuff, like Luke was talking about with the eye of knowledge, you know, the eye and the pyramid yeah. and the 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 Illuminati. Whether you know, you know, we don't necessarily believe in that, but there is you know that those those symbols do exist in Freemasonry. And do you think that some of those, you know, like the, the elitists and secret societies that they uh, some of the stuff that you're talking about that this is the knowledge that they have
7: um
6: what I think is that okay uh so. Weirdly enough, and and this, and I must point out that I have all these stories and like talking about my book. I my since I've been gone and gone into magic and, and I write about this in Facebook all the time, which you've seen. Is like my life is now a constant. Like I could probably right now go do a few rituals and put myself in a trance and I'd have some kind of weird communication that you know I could then talk about or write about. So this has been going on for a long time. Um. So with the eye in the pyramid, I had a fairly profound hallucination one night that essentially just told me that symbolizes the mind's eye. Like, that's okay. what that symbolizes. That symbolizes the mind's eye, the inner eye, the inner reality. That's the symbol of it. And I think that's the, – the fact that that's become the symbol of Illuminati I think is pretty interesting because what I've also been shown – I had this very peculiar dream about how the pharmaceutical industry was controlled by these demons. I, I don't think that this conspiracy is – I think the people, the elites or whatever that are in on this, I don't think that they're aware that they're in on it. I don't think that they consciously know why they're doing these things that they're doing. But I definitely think there is something that is preventing certain spiritual ideas from entering uh, human reality and was set up that way intentionally. And it's funny that you brought up Graham Hancock. Uh, And this is something else that I've been shown just recently and it's completely bizarre, what I've essentially been shown is, and it's weird, I'm not the only one, that there is this grid, there's like a side grid, you know, almost like a computer program that has been put into place to prevent humanity from attaining spiritual knowledge. And when you look at spirituality and you say something like astral projection, there is a point me, and I've been saying this for years, like how could we be this spiritually ignorant? How can we honestly, rationally think, hey, visions from 2,000 years ago, those we're going to read about and study all the time. Someone has a vision you know, tomorrow or tonight. Don't pay any attention. Not real. You know? like, and that is. It's, it's psychotic. When you think about the way that we look at religion, we essentially say visions that happened 2,000 years ago were in these holy books. Oh, well, those people that had visions and dreams, that meant something. But everything since then, no, it's all meaningless. Uh, and 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 then you get an astral rejection. You're dealing with the fact that humans can just separate their their bodies from their their souls, or their souls from their bodies, essentially. I mean, that's really what you're dealing with. And this is very repeatable, very easy to study in science. Uh, it's demonized. People hate this stuff. Like it's been it's been it's 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 so esoteric, you know. Like someone like me talking about this stuff is such an odd thing in this day and age. And why is that? How is it that we know so little about spirituality? Uh, you know, how is it that we know so little, so little about these things? And what I've been shown is that this is intentional that there's been like a program or a grid and it was shown to me in this vision that yeah, it was projecting upside down pentagrams I had this weird vision where it was like yeah the eye in the pyramid and coming out of the eye in the pyramid with this, this series of upside down facing pyramids or, or, or pentagrams and what the upside down pen, uh, pentagram is a very misunderstood symbol the upside down facing pentagram which represents, does in fact represent evil in in, 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 uh, in the occult, uh, means, it symbolizes the triumph of materialism over the spirit that's what it means, that's what it symbolizes Okay. so we and it's so funny people wear that and they think it means satanic and evil and it's like man that is like our culture like upside down py- pyramid that's like college football saturday man it's like go upside down pyramid you know it's like man, let's drink some beer and let's watch some dudes beat the crap out of each other and you know i i love i love college football so like i mean i understand this stuff but you know hey spending all of our money on the military that is some upside down pentagram shit you know let's face it it's yeah. like that is some evils like well the, the wealth inequality the way it is i mean we we worship. The inside out. we love this, and so the idea is, and, and and that's what's considered evil. So, so people wear this thinking it represents Satanism, and it represents our freaking reality. Like our culture is where materialism has triumphed over the spirit. Um, And then the uh, the right-side-up paradigm, of course, represents uh, the idea that a human is a microcosm for the macrocosmic uh, higher intelligence, you know, that we're ascending towards godhood, and that the world is metaphorical, and then each human is in fact a baby god that's ascending to be like a star, which is in fact a god, uh, fully developed. And then in that regard, you know, Carl Sagan of course is notoriously saying we're all made of star, star stuff. We don't like to think about how what supposedly an unconscious entity creates all life. How does something that's an unconscious ball of gas somehow actually create all of consciousness in all of our life? Doesn't that make it more of a God? Like we just take consciousness out of the, the equation, you know, how, how does stars create all of us? How, how does that work? Um, so anyways, so that's what the upside down pentagram is. So anyways, so I had this vision that there's – and I've seen this repeatedly and it's been told to me that there's this side grid that's basically keeping humanity spiritually stupid, that this is something that's been done on purpose. And that part of what I'm supposed to be doing with my magic and having conversations like this is to try and loosen it up, trying to get it so this becomes more mainstream. And then we've maybe – why I was told the name of this entity in 2012 is that this process is in motion or maybe it's just because I did uh, certain rituals or whatever. Um, so – you're talking about Graham Hancock now. Now, you're also – one of the things that I do give Crowley credit for popularizing, I don't know if it's a lot of what Crowley was just stuff that he studied, but he popularized the idea of the procession of eons. Now, the procession of eons, that was, there was a former uh, eon based on feminine knowledge, uh, that, and that was destroyed. And you look at, say, the work of Graham Hancock. There does appear to be evidence that there was this other society that had a do- another way of thinking. And then we have our society, which is the representation of the masculine. Again, as above, so below. The this is all metaphorical. So we have one era, and where do people come from? By the way, and this is the the interesting thing about sex magic. We love to forget that we all come from sex. Like that's where we all come from. You know, that's where people. Yeah. It's the primary creative force in the universe. So the idea that somehow psychic abilities would be attached to this—it's not really that outlandish. This is where people come from. And when you go into UFOs, they're all obsessed with our genetics. You know, P- people are are created through the transfer of genetics. So you have the feminine energy of the more shamanic side and the more masculine entity. I was talking about how our religion is almost the opposite of occult philosophy, uh, the, or, you know, the, the repression of sex and drugs versus the uh, embracing of uh, sex and drugs. You have this philosophically, Uh, with the shamanism and the occult versus Western materialism. Western materialism tells you that uh, the outer world of shared experience is the only thing that's quote-unquote real and should be studied, and that inner experiences should be ignored because they're not real. And shamanic philosophy almost tells you the exact opposite, whereas inner experiences are the more real thing, and that the outside, the material world, is actually more of an illusion. Uh, You know, it's like the Matrix. You You know, it's more like a dream and more like an illusion. So these are like Again, you run into dualities of right and wrong, good and evil, structure, anti-structure, uh, real, not real, everywhere you go. And th- it is interesting that these are polar opposite philosophies, the occult shamanism versus Western materialism. So you have the one area based on more shamanic knowledge, one area based on the more Western knowledge, and then these areas combined, much like a man and a woman combined to create a child that the point of that is to birth all of us into being baby gods, that the combination of the western materialist way of looking at things, when we combine that then, with the more shamanic way of looking at things, this is going to create something entirely new and transcendent, and that's what uh, Crowley was talking about, where it's going to bring in the new eon of the conquering child, the trial between the man the feminine, uh, the more feminine way of looking at things, more shamanic and the more occult. Now, this also comes to, and then I've been shown, okay, again that there's a force repressing spirituality. And again, this, this comes across me. I mean, this, I have these visions that I'm like, what the fuck? You know I mean? Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I'm just yeah. like, but then you look into it and now it starts making sense. If we were going to have an era that was going to be based on the masculine and the more Western materialist way of thinking about, we'd have to block out the other way of looking at things. Exactly, we would have to have this side grid that's blocking out the other things and making sure that we're focusing on this other stuff. And and so basically, and and then what gets even weirder about this is again talking about Christianity. That's a biblical thing. What is the story of Genesis? But God getting mad at Adam for uh, you know or uh, eve for tempting adam with the apple and the apple that has all of a sudden they're thinking about being clothed and and thinking about things in a more materialistic sense and then god is you know essentially like you want sacred knowledge we'll choke on it you know and he curses us so this concept that i've seen about the side grid i mean this is actually again a a biblical thing that if you there is a weird aspect of the bible where the bible is based around the idea that god cursed us god says i'm taking away your spiritual knowledge we're taking that away from you and you know it's to develop the spiritual knowledge like, okay, that's a hard path, but if you want to learn this knowledge that is in the apple, this um knowledge of of the way that the lower realms work, again, it's a more demonic knowledge in the snake. If you recall this demonic entity, it showed me all these dragons, you know, this serpent creatures. So it's, it's packed with the snake, and so this entire era of humanity is so we can develop this – massive knowledge of more materialist science and you know we've done that and i guess the idea and maybe the point was to create this ridiculous computer technology that i can now you know the synthetic telepathy that we've created which i can now you know communicate to you guys in tennessee and talk about this crazy stuff and so yeah i mean and and the other thing is i i mean i would think if this new aeon is going to happen I it's going to be a long time, you know. It's like it's an eon. It's going to be hundreds, possibly thousands of years before this fully integrates. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh man, there's going to be some kind of a you know an apocalypse tomorrow. And maybe that's part of the reason, part of because I am a huge sports fan, and you know I, I do things like watch basketball and college football games. And I'm like, but well, look, look at this crowd. This crowd is not just going to you know. All of a sudden be like, oh, we're hippies now. You know, it's like it's it's not
2: sad. Have you have you ever done uh, DMT or ayahuasca? I
6: haven't. No, no, I've neither done either. And uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to someday. Ayahuasca is becoming more available in – uh, it, it, I've talked to some people online that have emailed me and said they've gotten it. You know, mainly it's just you know the thing about ayahuasca is like flying to Peru to participate in an ayahuasca ceremony is pretty expensive. So yeah, I've just never. Oh. I mean, I can afford it now if I wanted to, but I, I just never have. DMT I've really wanted to do and I've just never found it. I don't hang out at like hippie festivals and whatnot. I've been looking for <laughs> I've, I've been looking for that for like ten years, and apparently you have to go to hippie festivals to find it. You know, like if you go to uh-huh. if, if you go to hippie festivals you can find it, but like outside of that I've never found it. And like I even know a guy that books psych rock festivals that I'm friends with, and like. Like we got a little bit once and we tried it, but we didn't do it right. It didn't quite work right. And, you know, so it's just like it's not easy to find. So it's another reason why I, I like to talk about sex magic, especially like weed-based, because I think a lot of people still at this point have a really hard time finding things like ayahuasca and DMT. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to try DMT, and I'm sure I'll find it someday, especially, you know, with my writing and whatnot. At some point I'm going to run into somebody that uh, that has it and try it. But what, what I love about DMT, though, is that, I Like I said, I had these crazy experiences on just regular psychedelics like shrooms or, or LSD. And it's these experiences of like almost communicating with this higher form of alien sort of intelligence. And most people don't get that on, on regular psychedelics. But then you read stories about DMT or ayahuasca and it's just like, well, yeah. So, you know, who's crazy now? <laughs> you know, That's what I love about the concept of DMT. Like someone listening to this conversation would be like, this guy is insane. You know, a lot of what I'm saying. And yet if DMT was legal <laughs> – You'd give them DMT and it'd be like, "Well, tag, you're it." You know, it's like I'm insane. Well, what did you just see? You know, so yeah. So I, I think
2: I, I think if you did DMT or ayahuasca, I think you just would become like a pure like being of light and just.
6: You're okay. just a
2: sin. You're just a sin. I, I do <laughs> want to do
6: ayahuasca at one point. I, I I've had a couple visions about it. Well, years ago, I had a vision where I did ayahuasca and. It basically was not really that much different for me than just regular, like, astro streams. It was like, eh, you know, this is roughly the same crap. And then I had another one where I did it in a ceremony, and this black cloud of mist came and just took my body into outer space. <laughs> so after that second one, I was like, yeah, maybe I need to do ayahuasca here. That sounds pretty interesting. <laughs>
2: uh, you, we're kind of running sure. out of time, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to get you, um, you know, have you ever had, like, a UFO a UFO experience yourself, uh, or uh, any kind of like like the abduction experience. I,
6: I haven't, I haven't. Um, but the impetus to this book, I mean, like as I said again, with the sleep paralysis. I've had a lot of experience where it, it definitely feels like there's entities trying to pull you out of my body into a higher dimension. But I did have the classic when I will talk about my UFO slash you know summoning my holy guardian angel incidents. I did have this infinite uh, this incident, which is the base of the book, and I'll try and try and talk about it. So uh, yeah, one day. Ever I was practicing magic I had been doing this inner visualization exercise where I was thinking about like an idealized version of me and I didn't even know why I was doing this and I think it was my way of confronting the idea that I did in fact you know want some level of material success in this world you know it's like I I don't want to work a day job forever it would be really nice I you know you can lie and tell yourself like oh yeah I love working day jobs and whatnot," but I don't you know I'd love to get to the point where I do spiritual stuff full time Uh, sure and since you know millions of pastors worldwide get paid to do this. You know, I, I don't see why I shouldn't be able to get to the point where <laughs> I get paid to do this kind of thing. Uh, so, um, uh, so yeah, so I, I, had this crazy experience. where I, not, uh, the, so this, me, I showed up in my room. I had gone to sleep and I showed up in my room and I told myself the first words out of my mouth. And again, this is more sleep paralysis state, but it was weird because in that state, this entity showed up and it was me in a suit, like an idealized slick version of me in a suit. And it, You know, you could feel its presence. It's not like, you know, someone comes in the room, you'd see and hear them. I could see and hear the thing, and I could also feel it. It's like you feel that there's this thing here with you, and it's me. And it projected this image into my mind, and you want to talk about Gnostic concepts, and it was the concept of the Holy Trinity is what it was showing me. It showed me uh, basically – so in this version, basically it showed – that there's a white globe, which I could best de- de- describe as a uh, developing sun. You know, it honestly looked like a developing star. And then it was me in the black suit that was outside of that star. And it's like, this is the father or mother in the whole, as I was just talking about the, the holy, you know, the guardian entity. This is the father or mother in the holy trinity topic. And it is outside of the time stream. And then me, the son, is me who's talking to you right now, who's a little. Teeny, teeny, minuscule little blip that is a part of that time stream, and then there's the time. So that's the father, the son, or the mother and the daughter, and then there's the Holy Spirit, which is the entirety of the time stream, uh, and, and and so. According to this thing, what it showed me. Oh, and by the way, the, fir- the first thing it told me, it, it said something too. It said, "We are the beings from the Sirius star system who are communicating with Robert Anton Wilson." And then it said, "We are the gray aliens." And then we are death. It's a long story, but I've always had this encounters with like the classic, I'm like death guardian entity too. So, to explain that later, but I won't go into it right now. We are death, and you know, it said, and we exist outside of time. That's why it's difficult for us to communicate with you. And again, and then it projected this vision of the Holy Trinity and how this works. Like, look, I'm outside of time. You're inside of this time stream. The Holy Spirit is the time stream. Like it is. And this is how magic works, by the way. When you're doing sigil magic, the sun is saying, hey, father uh, or mother guardian entity. I'd like this thing to happen. And then the father or guardian entity goes and it controls the Holy Spirit, which is the time stream, and then says, okay, I'm going to use my connections with the Holy Spirit to try and make these plot lines that you're asking for happen. So weirdly enough, sigil magic is then the kind of combining... Of all elements of to the Holy Spirit, and again, I, I googled this online, and there's an image of Christian Gnostic concepts where they're even showing that the Holy Spirit, and saying when all of these things combine, that's God. And, you know, it's like that's what God is when all of these things, when the Father, the Holy, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are working in tandem. So, uh, to sum it up as quickly as I can, so when I look at UFO stuff, and and I've been shown also that yes, whatever I'm in contact with, it is in tune. With UFO phenomenon, the UFO phenomenon is a manifestation of that. It just manifests differently through someone like me, and that is an interesting question. Where, as someone who's in the occult, most people that talk about UFO phenomenon, this stuff is terrifying, and I've had some terrifying experiences on um, uh, with astral projection. This was not terrifying. It, It was awesome and not only that it was hilarious i don't know why like the next day i couldn't stop laughing there was something about it that was just so funny and it showed up a night a night before and it, did, and it was showing me the exact same uh you know telepathic image of this concept of the holy trinity uh but because of that it does make you think you know it's like how off base like when we think about these things at ufos the the, the message one that it was telling me is like and when you read robert anton wilson it's significant that it said that because anton wilson said exactly that that it varies it's subjective you know uh he was telling me it's like we're we're the beings that we're communicating with ronald wilson we're the death entity that you've seen we're uh the gray aliens you know we're all of those things essentially
2: they're what they would appear They they appear as you want to see them or you know as they think that they should it sounds like too like you've had the same experiences like Robert Anton Wilson, Philip K Dick also had the same kind of And
6: Anton Wilson's book which I forgot and I went and reread that because of this experience of Cosmic Trigger because that's the book where he talks about communicating with the Sirius star system. I yeah. I had completely forgotten one that he talks about how these entities supposedly are going to tell you something about time, which is exactly what they did, you know. And and again, so now you're getting into a test of scientific repeatability because I don't know if you guys know about Grant Morrison and his experience too where he wrote an entire series of comics called The Invisibles based on doing sex magic having a very similar I mean, the message was very, his was quite a bit different than mine, except the message was essentially similar. I mean, it's yeah. the whole we exist outside of the human time stream is one thing, you know, to us from our perspective. So when I look at UFO stuff, we're trying to say that these are UFOs. And what these are thinking is like, you guys are thinking about this material perspective. And from our perspective, all of human reality is a bunch of interlocking plot lines that is like one singular developing star. And you're looking out at outer space and thinking we're from another planet. And like, we're not, we're outside of your entire plot you know it's like we're not aliens like we exist outside of time not outer space outside of time outside the entirety of human time you know and and they've shown me uh, I had a vision right before i did uh started writing for disinfo that was on a similar lines that they were trying to show me look from our perspective all of human time is happening at once it's like a book it's like a video game it's like a singular thing we're going in we're still tinkering it with but to us time is not this linear thing, you know? And then when you think about the mysteries of time and how we love to believe in material universe and yet, you know, what is the past, you know, what is five minutes ago? It's not a solid thing. Like there's this process of chaos. So again, it's just pointing you. So when I think about UFOs and I will always think about that, I'm like, there is a big difference from being from outer space and from being from another planet than from being outside of human reality altogether and outside of our perception of time. And, and it also gets into some interesting territory of like you look at the human process you know you incarnate into this linear time stream and then when you die you come out of this linear time stream but the idea is we look at space from this material perspective and and that's 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 not the way that these beings are looking at it at all like basically our perception and trying to trying to categorize these things as ufos is like hey you guys are so off with that <laughs> you know
2: let me ask you one quick question thad before uh we go and uh have you ever had when you were younger or anything did you ever have any like uh like Uh, ghost experiences or any kind of like haunting experiences
6: you know um not really yeah i mean what's weird about me i mean i'm definitely a a stranger guy i mean it's definitely to me because i was always like you know a creative weirder guy and i can absolutely say that pot and and hallucinogens really emphasize that part of my and, and again we were talking about measurable behavior like when i started doing hallucinogens i was like drawing pictures and whatnot, I drew like superheroes and stuff. And then right after that happened, I instantly started drawing like weird, psychedelic, you know, mutating, <laughs> like way weirder, more surreal stuff. Like pretty much instantaneously. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, no, that's that that is the strange thing about me. It's like before I did uh, psychedelics, uh, like psychedelic mushrooms. I mean, weed made me hallucinate. I mean, I wasn't. I was always a weirder kind of uh, leaning towards the more artistic. I was kind of like. You know, a weird. I said, you know, the weirdest, strangest thing about him is I was sort of a jockey type dude, uh, and and yeah, I mean, I hung out with you know, like I don't know, whatever the popular crowd was in high school, and you know, I, I had an inherent inherent desire for spirituality, but I wasn't really interested in that. And, and no, I, I, I can honestly say that I I haven't really had any ghost encounters before I started playing around with uh, psychedelics and astral projection. Like, no, not really.
2: Yeah, the reason I asked that is because we've had guests on our show that have had you know that those like the extreme violent haunting experiences, and have also had UFO and sleep paralysis experiences. So I was wondering if... You know,
6: I just read an article about that the other day, uh, about a guy who studied poltergeist for ucla and his assessment of it was that and he, he had a, you know he studied all these cases and he said that there were similar factors in all of them and it all had a degree of to do with a combination of mental illness which he was saying and uh and you know i i told the line of like what is mental illness i think that's a, a pretty weird way but you know signs of mental illness combined with certain locations that might have a different energy signature so is not taking the entire ghost thing was and after studying this was ultimately that this is the powers of the human mind and that something is going on with these people essentially magic <laughs> essentially that these people no. are doing un, are unconsciously doing these magical thinking using these mind powers and that's what's causing it to manifest and it was interesting because i mean he didn't just come up with this theory it's like he studied like several thousand cases and that was the conclusion and
2: yeah i, just, I saw that article yeah it's as well, on reality but.
6: sandwich yeah definitely worth checking out and so that you know, that was pretty interesting so yeah i mean uh, reality
2: yeah. sandwich we had adam ellenboss on our show uh, are you familiar with him uh, he, no he, i think he heads that up oh okay. uh, he, he was talking about his ayahuasca experiences this is a couple, uh, almost a couple years ago now
6: Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, no, I like that site. Yeah, you know, it's. A, the, I wish there were kind of more psychedelic sites that I liked on the internet. But you know, I, I, I'll just have to keep working on trying to get my own stuff going because yeah, I mean, they're, 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 there's definitely some good stuff out there. But uh, you know, it's still burgeoning. You know, it's it's not it's not as big as it should be. But you know, it's definitely it's definitely changing. So I did. Yeah, it's interestingly read that article. So you know, that goes like right along with magic that we have these abilities to literally manipulate reality and whatnot, and that these people are just unconsciously doing that something's setting this off in them and that's what's causing kind of ghost phenomena and it was interesting it was like eh, that's that's I hadn't entirely heard of that research before but I, lo- I love how we talked about that how controversial it was which is just exactly what I found when I tried yeah. to study this stuff in, as a psychology student and, and you know you read about it and you're like man people really hate this stuff <laughs> People are really averse to the idea that there's, and yet then there's shows on the internet that are enormously popular. Like we've tried to suppress it, and even all our efforts to suppress it, you know, it's it's still there. You know,
2: right? Uh, We're gonna have to call it here pretty soon. But uh, just real quick. Where can everybody, uh, where can people contact you, and also where can they get the book?
6: Uh, yeah, uh, I have a Facebook account where I talk about uh, gongitating and a lot of magic experiences constantly. Uh, it's just Facebook, Uh I have a Twitter account, at Thad underscore McCracken. If you want to see a lot of my writing, uh, you could write disin or go to disinfo.com's website, and if you write in my name, like, Tons of articles will come up. Um, The book, The Galactic Dialogue, Occult Initiations, uh, is out now. Uh, You can get it on Amazon. It's actually a digital download for Um, $2.99. My music, uh, dmioccult at bandcamp.com. And there are a few uh, autograph books left if you want one of those, and it comes with a free download of my rather critically acclaimed album by my former band, Black Science. Oh, and I didn't mention... Uh, I also make occult films now, which is a new thing for me, and they turned oh, okay. out pretty well. And that's a project called Chapel Supremacists. Uh, and if you Google Chapel Supremacists or Chapel Supremacists disinfo or on YouTube, uh, oh DMI TV YouTube, uh, I got a couple Chapel Supremacist videos. And if you want to see me doing a lecture, if you want to, you know, you've heard me talking, you want to see, you know picture a video of me talking uh i definitely have a couple of videos up there it's dmi tv uh and chopper Promise. i highly recommend checking out those occult films we actually uh uh turn them into one thirty-eight minute occult film and uh yeah it's, it's some pretty trippy stuff i don't know if you guys have seen those too but definitely worth checking out
2: well thank you thad That's i mean this a- has been this has been quite a wrap this has been quite a ride here <laughs> And uh, <laughs> it's,
5: it's been fantastic, yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks, I'm, I'm, I'm these,
2: these guys have, uh, I think transcended reality while you've been <laughs> in here. They, this, this is my, this
5: my kind <laughs> of interview, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, stay, stay on the line for us. We're going to close out this section, sure. and uh, look, we'll be right back on Conspiradorable. <laughs>
7: Man, my mind is just blown right now. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, really. Whoa. Let, let me let me tell you. I I grew up in rural Arkansas, and now I'm I'm transcending reality in a, in a townhouse in Tennessee. And. My life has changed. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> uh, well,
2: you're very welcome, Zach. I mean, you know, the the first one I think you sat in on was Michael Carter, wasn't it? Where you're talking about the uh, the alien uh, abductions, the, and the he just kind of from New York. Who, like, uh, well, yeah, he was yeah his Unitarian minister, but you know the, the visitations with reptilians and yeah, such in the yeah, bedroom and all was that, was that stuff.
5: A, that My pa used to give me rides on the tractor, <laughs> and,
2: uh, <laughs> and so you were kind of looking at strange. Then I was like, Zach's probably going to run screaming out of the room. But um, this, this I think just blew that completely out of the water.
7: <laughs> wow! Just
5: it's, it was especially the pace of talking a thousand miles per hour through the whole thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: he he was something. Uh, I want to uh, I want I want to get your thoughts on it, Luke. Um,
5: I, I can relate to a lot that he's saying. Like you know, of course. I've always been too much of a puss to actually, like, try shrooms.
2: <laughs> gotcha. I,
5: it, I mean, I've, to be fair, I've only been offered shrooms, like, like two or three times. In which, okay. uh I've seen the reactions of some people, and, like, most of the time, everyone's gets cocky with it, you know, because they're drinking beforehand or something. And yeah. they're like, yeah, give me that old bag, you know, and they'll end up <laughs> doing, like, you know, five caps or something, like, some huge amount and then they'll start like bawling crying and then freaking out and running around hiding and stuff like that and I'm like I don't want to act like that yeah you know yeah <laughs> you, don't, you, don't want, you don't want
2: to just freak out yeah, yeah
5: right but but you know taken in moderation yeah a great tool you know and but you know you know me I have smoked like some some really good stuff and I've smoked hash before which is really strong and this yeah. apparently is what the prophets use to write a lot of the scripture and
2: the prophets man the prophets.
5: The prophets use this, bro. <laughs> you can't go wrong. But um, uh, it it was awesome. It, I mean, it, it, he he uh, he touched on some things that got me thinking. Yeah. Uh, uh, one one thing was, uh, I I really like how he can not be biased toward Christianity. You know. Right. Be, because like uh, mo- most most uh, truth seekers, and in, in quotations. Uh, speak a little more to the mic uh, so you know uh, yeah most most uh, truth seekers are all about um, you know they, they usually subscribe to just one thought method rather than like saying hey you know I can be cool with Jesus too and I want to find out what Jesus is all about usually they'll just close Christianity out completely but just because it resembles this whole this whole uh, being conservative you know Right and, and and they don't you know they, they want to be the opposite of Christianity so that so they automatically yeah. just block that out from it's kind of like
2: Satanism yeah you know it's like you just like just do the opposite of yeah right. you know, Satanism right, right. is like almost like basically like kind of like the Anton LaVey style Satanism is just like the reverse of Christianity yeah in a way you know it's just Christianity is like the kind of like the dark side of of, of Christianity
7: I, I I tell you what after hearing you know all that stuff that guy was talking about—it is—it is definitely a lot less complicated just being an atheist and not believing in it. <laughs> and so I think. Well, I
2: suppose future. so, but is—but is it as exciting? Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I was—I I was glad to—I uh, I was glad to get some of those those questions. Some of the stuff that really. Uh, you know, I'm always interested in that that whole concept, and it's in Gnosticism, it's in the occult, is the whole concept of man becoming god, and right. this whole idea. You know, we've kind of talked about that. I think yeah, we, when it, we were on World of the Unexplained, we talked about kind of like uh, the movie it, it, um, Chronicle. You know, yeah. um, and oh, I've seen. I've that. Al- I've always thought of. You know, if these people, if they if they succeed somehow in becoming God, then you know what's going to keep? We're still going to be basically human, so our human nature of greed and and all these other negative human emotions are still going to exist. And I've always had a problem with that of saying humans would be God because we're going to you know we're going to lord it over everybody else. Well, just
5: like we talked about before, though, like. I you know I just see the definition of God being entirely different because uh, to me you know there there is only small G God, uh, yeah, and that that would be any anybody that has this unexplainable power over everybody else, rather it be like through science or through spirituality or whatever they they have this leverage over everybody else, and that is a God like in the sense you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, but
2: I mean what does that cause in the long run? Is that a good it's thing? It causes more problems. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. That's kind of <laughs> I, my uh, point.
7: I just thought about this. Uh, when when you're talking about, you know, becoming gods in human nature, uh, being in the way of that, I think it was the the Greek gods basically were very petty uh, yeah. Yeah. between themselves. Right. So it's not like that far fetched they acted like types. they acted like people yeah basically and they they're pretty much have the same nature as you know well, it regular people it, it's
5: easily explainable because i mean like while all of these uh oracles were tripping on all these drugs and everything like they're only seeing visions you know of their subconscious just reflecting you know what's been going on in their daily life and what they need to do kind of like a waking dream so of course of course uh their their God and what their gods are doing are gonna just reflect what humanity's doing anyway <laughs> yeah so so like all throughout history, the gods have just mirrored what what the civilizations have been doing
2: yeah is there anything else that you found particularly interesting in that in that interview oh. besides uh gummy cunnilingus?
5: <laughs> <laughs> there was something else too hold on
7: the uh when he was talking about the holy trinity and the the holy spirit yeah. being like the human uh time stream that was that was pretty out there. I, yeah, I don't think really, I quite grasped what that was about,
1: but
2: I think your head almost exploded kind of uh, like in the yeah. movie scanners.
7: Yeah. I, was... I really I really <laughs>
5: like it we were having um that discussion one time about how um uh, you know most of the time around here or when I was living in old, you know, in the party house in old Hickory, like every, party house! <laughs> everybody was just getting like super baked, and like all they would do is just all stare at the floor, you know, and yeah. kind of just get tired. And, oh, okay, I'm going to bed now, you know, and or just want to listen to music and just get like lost in the music the whole time and wouldn't want to communicate any kind of thoughts or ideas or anything like that because they didn't have any. They're just blank, like just sitting there drooling, you know. Yeah, and, blank and, slates. Yeah, and uh, I just I like it's really cool that. That uh Thad uh, shares that, you know. Like right. he, he gets baked and he's got all these awesome visions and and uh all these these cool like, profound ideas and everything else that you know where most normal people just kind of just become lobotomized slugs when they stop. <laughs> lobotomized <laughs> slugs. <laughs> yeah. I think
2: that's a good way to put it.
5: <laughs> well I think we're gonna call it.
2: Uh it's getting kinda late. Yeah, Luke's gotta make sure he doesn't like drive like Bo- both our like both NASCAR are, uh, NASCAR evasive maneuvers. Yeah, uh, you made it. You made it to work with like with like
5: just, uh, yeah like, the, a few
2: seconds that, to go this the morning. The fate of
5: my career rests on just one minute. I'll, I will <laughs> I will get fired if I'm one minute late. Are you serious? They yeah, are that strict. Well, yeah, they are. Wow. I mean, because, I mean, like I've already been warned and written up for it. That's the thing, and like wow. I'm, on, I'm on my last strike. But those times I was warned and written up were just one minute. Yeah, <laughs> I, was just, I was just one minute late. it's wow. a little was, ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, so the the fate of my job relies on it. And I woke up at seven, uh, uh, at uh, five forty this morning, and I'm supposed to be there at six. <laughs> 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 So I, I sprinted to the time clock and made it just like just in the nick of time. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you guys. Uh,
2: next, uh, next week uh, we'll be back here. We're gonna have uh, John Tenney is gonna come back. Uh, John Tenney. Neither one of you guys were here for that interview. Uh, that was me flying solo. Is, is He's he gonna
5: is he gonna play the tin whistle for yeah, us? Yeah, he'll play
2: the tin whistle for us. Uh, <laughs> he is on the uh, the show uh, ghost stalkers on destination america and uh, we cu- we talked primarily about that show and next week we're going to talk kind of talk about a little bit about that show because uh, you know we only had two episodes in when when we did the interview so I want to kind of talk to him a little bit about that as well but you know he's kind of like uh you know not just with ghosts but he talks about ufo's and Bigfoot and like you know assassination sheep squatch conspiracy stuff yeah sheep squatch squid babies squid babies yeah that was a that was a wonderful conspiratorial moment as well when you (laughs) asked Dr. Jacobs about squid babies
5: I was just just trying to liven things up a little bit (laughs)
2: That's what I have you here for, sir. <laughs> but uh, he's going to come back, and then after that, uh, that is it for Conspiracy Normal for 2014. So uh, join us next week, guys, and we'll be. I uh, also want to thank your brother, mm-hmm. brother Travis, for coming on. Talk about you guys' UFO experience, radical dude,
5: had. radical dude.
1: That's
2: right, and uh, we'll join us next week, guys, on Conspiracy Normal. Go
4: <laughs> now.